0: This is Fly with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsythe. Yes, this Fly is probably being listened to after the Flyers-Capitals game. So, if the Flyers win the game, continue listening and enjoy. If the Flyers lose the game, stop immediately. No, please don't stop immediately. We need the listens. Oh my god, please. Craig, I think you have something to say to these fine folks.
1: Uh, I do, Steven. Uh, And uh, I'll I'll explain the situation to everybody. And uh, I want everybody to know that I am sincerely sorry. But on Wednesday, I did the preview for the Flyers Bruins game. And as a joke, I'm first of all, I'm one. People know me as somebody that jokes around uh, every once in a while. And put a tweet out there. uh, The the Bruins have a player named David Posternak. He's pretty good at hockey. He scored 48 goals last year. Put out a tweet like David Posternak, not going to score tonight. And then put in parentheses underneath, he's definitely going to get a hat trick or something like that. And then. Sure enough, he got a hat trick, um, and I'm gonna. It, that's on me. Uh, that's my fault, uh, and uh, I talked you to the team about it. Job. Uh, yeah, and I spent a lot of time uh, staring off into the distance and thinking about the meaning of life over the last couple of days, and I I needed to explain to you guys what I was thinking and why I'm sorry. Uh, and this is how I feel about the whole uh, incident. So uh, to all those whose feelings I heard on Wednesday night. Let me start by saying this. Uh, as a broad eyed and bushy-tailed five-year-old, I began my life as a diehard Flyers fan. Uh, and uh, thanks to Eric Lindros' star appeal and the uniqueness of the game, I was an instant fan. Uh, over the years, I've played and watched in various capacities, ultimately culminating in my desire to analyze and report on the team in a professional manner. I was fortunate <laughs> enough to have been hired by Marcello DeFeo at Flyers <laughs> Faithful and now ultimately one Stephanie Driver at Trade Hockey to continue pursuing my passion. Unfortunately, along the way, I've watched a lot of hockey, which has made me so much smarter and cooler than all of you that sometimes I know exactly what's going to happen ahead of time, which is exactly what happened on Wednesday. I'm not sorry that I absolutely nailed my prediction, but I am sorry that it may have made you feel worse or more insecure about your life or hockey knowledge in general. This is the first and last time I'll be addressing my accurate predictions. You only live once, and I'm not going to spend all of it explaining it to losers how to win. Humbly ears. <laughs> Craig Forsyth, a.k.a. Dr. Dunks, a.k.a. The Sauce Boss. So that is my <laughs> apology to the fans. And I'm sorry that once again, I just, I know a lot about hockey. And I think that's what Wednesday, it just came out on Wednesday. Like, I, I just nailed it, you know? That's what it came down to. Uh, so sorry. Okay. I, well, you know, we accept your apology, yeah. Craig.
0: And I know you, you. you conjured
1: David Posternak. C- a a yeah. man who's
0: never <laughs> scored goals before that game. Never, ever. No. Certainly not something he does. It's it's like the, the, the old jinx thing. It's like, folks, <laughs> is it really a jinx when a prolific goal scorer <laughs> dunks on your team over and over? It's not. It is not. It is like the previous Boston Bruins game when the Flyers br- blew it. And stop me if this is a recurring theme. Here's the thing. The Bruins are a goddamn good hockey team. They're a goddamn oh, yeah. good hockey team. And it sucks when the Flyers leads them. But at the same time, there's a reason. It's because the Bruins are a goddamn good hockey team.
1: Yeah. And they uh, they just play a very difficult style to play against, and also they just find ways to win, which we've seen in three of the games so far with the Flyers. I mean the one was a six to one win, I'm not including that. But three other times the Flyers are blowing third period leads to the Bruins, including last night. And last night I really thought, as I was saying to you before, Steve, uh I really don't think they played poorly last night. It was uh, the goal. The first goal they gave up was probably the best line on hockey, just muscling their way to a goal in front. You may want more out for a and agosphere clearing the crease, but again.
0: Like that was a greasy goddamn goal. And as an appreciator of greasy goals, I have to say that was like one of the greasiest ones I've seen in a hot minute. I mean, Martian basically crawled out of his sewer hole that he lives in and just did anything he could much in (laughs) the rat heritage that he has <laughs> as the yeah. rat. He is, he did everything he could, whatever it took to get that puck in the net and not get captured by the exterminator. And he did it. goddamn it. <laughs>
1: and then, and then the, uh, the second goal I th- I thought was more on Elliot. I thought it was all on Elliot. And honestly, I would, I would rip Elliot if he was a shitty backup, but like we've been saying, like you said, on the forecast this week, and have been saying for a season and a half now, he's been called on the coming and a lot of spots and he's been fine. uh, He had a good game. He hasn't really let the team down. Yeah. And like, this is the one time where he may have let the team down, but again, I, I'm not, I mean, it sucks. Uh, It just came against the best team in the division in a spot. You really couldn't afford to have a soft goal. And it came right there for Brian Elliott. But besides that, I thought the defense overall, honestly, even, I mean, Gus had some plays, but besides that, I thought the defense overall, At least they didn't make any major gaffes or leave or uh, leave uh, Elliot, you know, hung out the dry.
0: They let up two goals against one of the best teams in the game, not the the, prettiest, and the best line in the game. Like it's pretty, it's not the prettiest, but I mean, they did their job essentially. The offense only scored one goal, and look again, the Bruins are a pretty sound defensive team, and Tuka Rask is a very good goalie. But you can't really blame your defense and your goaltending if you
1: lose a game two to one. Yeah. No, you, you really can. And I, that's why there's been some really frustrating games this year, even though they've won seven of 12. Uh, it's just the process this is hasn't been great. The it's a weird fucking season. Winning yeah. season
0: I've ever seen. Like, they started yeah. off any other year. If they had a start like this, we would be like, man, this team's red hot. They're killing it. I love these Flyers. And we're all miserable. We are miserable yeah, this with just... this winning <laughs> hockey team. <laughs>
1: Every night they give us like one period where it looks like they forget what a puck is or like they just don't collectively play defense for half a game. There's always something each night where you deservedly are like, this team's not quite right. But again, <laughs> that boy won seven out of right. twelve. Yeah. <laughs> they vote seven out of twelve. And I think uh we there's some big news today. Um pull up Charlie's Twitter again, but when I was putting the outline together for this podcast, uh Charlie was at practice and is tweeting that the lines today uh, were JVR Katoria Voracek, Drew Patrick Konechny, Limblom Lawton, Fairbey, Raffle, Hayes, and A.K. So, which, by the way, that's a insane fourth line. But the, it looks like Katoria is back and practicing today. And um, according oh, yeah. to the Flyers' Twitter account, Coach uh, Av says that Oscar Limblom and Carter Hart are good to go tomorrow against the Caps, and uh, Katoria and Philip Myers are considered day to day. Uh, so, the Philip Myers situation is not ideal because he did come back, played three games, both of the Islanders games and the first Bruins game. Flyers went 2 0 1 in that span, and San Myers had 5 and 5 together. Flyers had 41 shot attempts uh, for 28 shot attempts against. Flyers had 21 shots, opponents had 16 against. Uh, and then San and Myers had a 64.71 expected goals, 4 percentage with four goals for and one goal against in 42-37 together in those three games. So Sandheim Myers is a big ingredient that the team was missed on the blue line for a while. And now he's out again. Uh, but it, it sounds like he came back from his uh, the fracture rib too soon. Uh, it sounds uh, like You he don't say. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, we were deal. all but,
0: shocked by how quickly he came back. Yeah. I, I know when the news was announced in... When the news was announced, when we had the discussion in the Slack chat about it we you know i think a, a number of us were saying i really hope he's not coming back too soon because it felt like yeah. it was too soon and as it turns out it was too soon
1: yeah and along with that pair pro ghost had been fine the last two games they haven't had great underlying numbers and uh, going over the pairs from last night pro ghost had a 34.48 shot attempts four percentage so not good at all uh they were on the ice for 17 5-on-5 five five shots uh four of those shots belong to the flyers so the bruins had 13 5-on-5 five five shots against them and then a 31.64 expected goals four percentage and one goal against in 15-16 at 5-on-5 five five. so they kind of had a rough night last night but again like i said about the whole defense there weren't major gaps or major cycles where you, you thought they should have definitely scored they had chances uh did makes some big stops but it wasn't like, some of the games we've seen where it's just been relentless cycling and pressure from the opponents for a while, and Carter Hart's flopping around the crease, making, like, rebound save after rebound save. Uh, I, I don't—Furlough Ghost lost a territorial battle, but it wasn't—I don't know. It wasn't an avalanche of chances. You don't want to live with these numbers. Like, you don't want to always be in the defensive zone, but I don't think last night was as bad as the numbers indicate. And then Sandheim Braun and then Hag and Gustafsson actually did fine in terms of driving play. Sandheim Braun posted numbers that look similar to what they had last year. Uh, they were on the ice for six, five, and five shots. The Flyers had five, 74.22 expected goals, four percentage in 14-19. Uh, no goals either way. And then Higg, Gustafson, Gustafsson uh, above a 50, Corsi four percentage. And they had four of the six shots. Or, or the Flyers had four of the six shots where they were on the ice together. 66.92 expected goals, four percentage. So... Again, the top pair may have gotten uh, kind of their ass kicked in terms of drive and play, but the second and third pair did all right. Um, so again, overall, it just didn't look.
0: That's great news. As
1: bad as some other games, yeah, and yeah. hopefully mean, well, that because yeah. the
0: the depth has really been the issue. I think most of the year, and it sucks for the top pair, but they're also getting the toughest minutes. They're playing the toughest, and, and especially and in, in the a game where. Games. In a game where they're the home team, where the Flyers are the home team, they're getting that second change. They're getting that opportunity to match up how they want to. That's you know, I I don't want to make excuses, but it's they were have they had some tough matchups in that game. But the fact is, if if you can get that kind of performance out of uh, Robert Hagen, Eric Gustafson, who you know they have not been great this year, that is definitely a win for the Flyers.
1: Yeah, and I do think Myers being out. Like, Niskan's already a big deal, and they're still trying to figure out the top pair. And Pro-Rolf-Ghost, I don't know, is the ideal top pair. But so far, it's been passable and a lot better than everything else that's thrown together. I'll take passable. Yeah, and Myers being out is a big deal because he's right-handed. And also, sanehan Myers is, to an extent, the pseudo-top pair. Like, it is a, a 1B kind of deal. Uh, especially now with Niskanen gone. Because whoever Pro-Rolf's going to be with i don't know if i really feel that much worse about sanheim braun logging more minutes or more difficult minutes uh this or Sandheim my myers sanheim braun i am a little concerned about but sanheim braun seemed to be sanheim seems to be all right carrying braun at five and five uh you know into the you know, offensive zone and staying there but myers being out is it's it's a big deal on defense and it's we don't know deal. how he's gonna be out now and myers and katori are still out so again
0: I mean Myers is one of your your most talented defensemen. He is a he's your biggest defenseman, right? Like physically, and I think so. He's, yeah, at least he's up might, there. Branner Hag might be up there. Yeah, yeah, that's we'll true. at some that's Flyers' uh,
1: defenseman sizes. Yeah, keep going though. But he's
0: <laughs> I don't know. He's he's bigger. He's mobile. He's he's kind of mm-hmm. almost the full package right there. He, and, he's, and he's got a, little, a right-handed shot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, he is a tall 6'5". Uh, 6'5", 210. uh Travis Anaheim, six three. Egg, two, And Justin Braun, 6'2". So, yeah, it looks like Braun's the second biggest. That's 6'2", 205. Damn, I thought he was... I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know he was that much uh, taller than everybody else. So I, guess I, it
0: I actually always underestimate how tall Sanheim is for some reason.
1: It's, yeah, me too. I think it's because he's just skinny. It's skinny and he doesn't... Uh, it's true. He doesn't rock people. Like if you just lead people out every once in a while, you have like this adore off uh, fucking <laughs> like appeal where he's just big and can skate and rock oh my people, God. and I, he's actually good. I just love how
0: guys who can like rock guys are often considered like the best defensemen. It's like no, he oh, gets like one yeah. giant hit a game, and that's and then the he gets burned a minute later. Off.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's pretty much yeah, it's always the worst. Like in this, yeah. So it's pretty much a defense. So I mean that's uh, and the other injury news from last night too was Limblom received a late hit from Connor Clifton, uh, took a shoulder to his jaw. Such bullshit, and I can't believe that didn't get a penalty. Did not get a penalty. I don't know. I believe the league might be looking into it, but Limblom should be good to go tomorrow, according to uh, A.V.
0: That is some dirty shit on somebody that, I don't know, I, I feel like a couple guys have tried to rock Oscar Lindblom with hits lately, and I do not appreciate that shit. I mean, you're talking about we're talking about
1: our dear Oski boy, but we're
0: also talking about a guy who just fucking came back from cancer.
1: Yeah. So should we... I think we can segue this into a, a discussion that kind of been talked about on Twitter a little bit and has been talked about since pretty much, I mean, ever since Wayne Simmons left. Um, team toughness. Uh, because we had that Lindblom play last night. Uh, we had... The decision last Saturday for AV to bench uh, Travis Connecting in favor of Sam Marin. Oh yeah, uh, that, that was decision. After yeah, that was after AV had some kind of comment when the news broke of Marin being moved to forward about uh, not having a certain uh, physicality or certain like elements of the forward uh, core up front. So I think that's what that was about. And then also uh, the Sunday game when Marin was taken out and Patrick or. Uh, Connecting was put back in. Patrick got laid out after the play. It looked like a pretty dirty hit. Uh, And then Tzizekas and Cal Clutterbuck decided to kind of fuck around with Lindblom in front of the Islanders bench. And then, like we just said, the hit on Lindblom from Clifton. And there's been no response from the Flyers. Uh, And again, I am not somebody that's saying they need to go out and get, you know, a Riley Cote type or a Ryan Reeves type or whatever. A Wayne Simmons type. Oh, Wayne Simms type, yeah. It's the only only one I'd be willing to go and get. There is a little bit to, like, just no response at all, though. I mean, I think there is something to, like, these guys getting... Like, I I think it is something that would wear up over time. I don't know what people want to do to address it, though. I don't know who people have in mind to go out there and get. I, I think everybody wants a guy that can police the game, but also still... Contribute at a meaningful level. So, like, they Wayne want Simmons, Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. That is, I mean, like, we had Wayne Simmons for years, and he checked off that box for a really long time. And then his all all on ice production fell off a lot. I mean, he's got three goals ready this year. I think those are his only points in like eleven games, though. I think and they're using play him on the play, power play numbers too, on which is yeah. I,
0: that's where you have to use Wayne Simmons, frankly, and that's and I think he's getting like when seven. the Flyers had Wayne Simmons yeah. and. James Van Riemsdijk, they were really only using one at a time on the power player, only one, you know, on an effective unit. And really, you need both the, like, that's what those guys do. They're power play specialists, and Wayne Simmons adds the, the toughness factor. JVR, yeah. they're finally using properly on the power play this year, and his results have been fantastic. We'll get to him later. But yeah, I I, I can see the argument for the lack of a Wayne Simmons type and, you know, famously... That is what inspired the Broad Street Bullies to be put together in the first place, was the early Flyers mm-hmm. were being pushed around.
1: Yeah, the Plager Brothers beating the shit out of, yeah.
0: And, you know, Ed Snyder and, and his crew did not enjoy that, so they said, yeah. let's go kick their asses, that, and they assembled yeah. one of the most ass-kicking teams of all time, and they are still a legendary team, and the reputation the Flyers are known for. And now we've got the Flyers today, who, again, I really do not think, I don't I think the game is moving away from that increasingly every year. And I don't really think you need to waste a roster spot on a guy like that. But at the same time, you don't like seeing your guys get pushed around and you don't like seeing Oscar Limbaugh, who I had just said came back from a just horrific cancer diagnosis last year in treatment. I still cannot believe he's playing hockey and guys are picking on that fucking guy. And it is, it's infuriating. You do want to go out and, kick somebody's ass you want to just see somebody fly at them Ronaldo style that is zach ronaldo so (laughs) it's not on the inside of eight-year-old twitter jokes and you want to see somebody (laughs) fly in and just like kick the shit out of somebody for doing something like that at the same time does it really prevent it does it really having that deterrent doesn't really keep guys from going for your guys. Cause it seems like a lot of these guys are still going to go for it. No matter what, it's just, are you yeah. also going after their guys? And I, I don't know, man, it, it's a really tough call in 2021 over whether or not you should spend a roster spot on somebody like this. My inclination is no. And you're talking about a guy who loves a good fight, who loves a big check. As long as it's not a dirty check from Scott Stevens on one of his favorite players of all time. War criminals. Yeah. More criminals. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: I love some good hockey violence. I don't really think you need to spend a roster spot on a violent hockey player, but I could be wrong. I, I don't, I'm not there on the ice. I don't know if that does make a difference in the locker room. If that's somebody, you know, if you need Max Talbot to go out there and get his ass kicked and then shush a crowd for some reason, that doesn't make sense. And somehow your team is inspired to come back. I will never understand that goddamn game. What do you think, Craig? Do you think that the Flyers need to address this issue? They need to get some, some size, some violence in there.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna go work off the last point just made about Max Talbot. So, like, I don't consider Talbot one of those players, but Talbot was somebody that he's definitely like that situation right there. He did actually actively step up and fight somebody, or at least tried to mix it up. I think there are element there are players on this team that'd be willing to do that, but they're just kinda not doing that right now. And that this isn't trying to become like a weird argument of like these guys need to like, you know, nut up here or like man up. But like guys like Konechny or I don't know, like Hayes, other guys can like kinda chirp and be the guy that can let our players know like don't fuck with our players. But I think I don't think anybody's arguing that the team could use a big like physical presence. If they're also going to be a guy that produces, the only problem is when you look around the league. You already touched on Wilson. I'm watching Canadian centers right now. Josh Anderson was a guy that I've also talked about in that light. Outside of those two guys, there aren't guys that consistently produce really well. And Josh Anderson has consistently consistently produced for longevity over his NHL career. But like, there aren't guys that actively uh, chip in in terms of production can actually you know, drive, play, keep the puck in the offensive zone and also be an asshole slash make sure that like other teams won't take liberties, the whole Liberty thing. And like, you know, getting taken advantage of, I don't think that that's not a thing. I don't know. Like that's not,
0: I don't think deterrent actually works. Like, I don't think guys are going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was going to kick that guy's ass, but then there's somebody who might hurt me. Like I don't.
1: Yeah. I, I do think there is like, I don't think I do there's have... a Marty
0: McSorley, you know, in the NHL today. Right. I don't think that's a thing anymore,
1: but. But I do think having a physical presence in the lineup that can throw his weight around. I, I think it's just another element to add to your offense to create, create offensive pressure, pressure and also like force other teams in the defensive. I, like, there are times having physical four checker or somebody coming in to lay somebody out. will alter what they're going to do with the puck and all that kind of stuff again
0: i'm not gonna lie that's one of the first things i acquire for the flyers in uh when i when i start a franchise mode in nhl is i get myself like a big physical presence in the top six like somebody that i can use to to really muscle his way in there and uh i i I don't know that's i like having that as well i do like having a useful big presence somebody who can screen out the goalie somebody who can shove some guys around We've got a guy who's big and can screen out the goalie in Van Reemsteke but we don't really he doesn't He's not a He's not a guy who hits, he's not a guy who shoves guys around. That's just not his, his yeah. game.
1: Now and but when you get past like Wilson Anderson and like honestly other guys I was trying to look up guys that have a lot of pims and actually have a lot of points like
0: Like Ryan Reeves doesn't have a lot of points, but he is known for being a physical presence.
1: Yeah, like and like I wouldn't go out and get somebody like Ryan Reeves, but I'm looking at other guys like um, I've thrown out the names, like, or not thrown out the names, but like Evander Kane, Brady Kachuk, and Nick Foligno are all guys I think would fall into that category, but I don't think you're getting slash one any of those guys. I don't want Evander Kane on this team just because no. he's got a lot of off-ice uh, issues. Uh, Nick Foligno is somebody who like, I don't really classify as that policing guy, but I guess he really is. I mean, he does produce, and he, is, he does play like a grittier type game or sandpaper type game, uh, and Brady Kachuk isn't going anywhere. So... I look more guys at like guys like uh, again. watching Canadians again. Corey Perry was out there. Corey Perry is also a guy that you could have put in the bottom six on the wing, and he could chip in 15 goals and be that guy that plays on the edge and makes the other team, you know, be kind of worried about shitty hits or whatnot. But yeah, I think that's the way you <laughs> have to go about it. Is what not an spend asshole. draft capital or like um, you know not spend draft capital or a ton of cap space. Uh, getting somebody like Tom Wilson. You could just get somebody like a Corey Perry that's going to be a free agent. Like, they tried to do it last year with Chris Stewart. It's just Chris Stewart is not an NHL player anymore. Like, I guess I get where they were trying to go with the Chris Stewart thing. It's just he is not... He used to be a 20-goal scorer that would beat the shit out of somebody. If he sure. was still that and you had that on the fourth line, okay. But like he just wasn't that. He was the role of what I, I I want I what I want the Flyers to get away from, what the league is getting away from from just guys that are on the ice to throw hands and that's it. Because right. like Chris Stewart had like one point and like seven minutes of ice time of night.
0: And that's why you don't see these guys that often anymore right. is because I mean if you can Market get an Market inefficiency. Yeah. Yeah. If you can get a talented big man, if that's a great thing to get, but it's not really if if you have a big, slow boxer on ice out there versus Mm. having a Travis Konecki who can have speed and score and just be a very talented overall hockey player, you're going to go with the TK over the uh, the boxer on ice every time. But because there was a time for the boxer on ice, that was a hundred percent, a thing for a long freaking time in the NHL, most of the great goons in this game are not great scorers, (laughs) but there have been many great goons over the years for sure. And there have been some that have been great scorers, but it's, it's not usually a a great combination. The caps really looked out. I thought Tom Wilson was a garbage hockey player and going to be a garbage hockey player, but he has evolved into the full package for them. As far as that big hockey player can also score goals.
1: Yeah, and I think it is worth pointing out these like Wilson and Anderson situation because they are, and I'm only mentioning those two because those are the two guys that it seems most fans kind of galvan to when they they talk about this like topic. And Wilson is he was somebody who, when he came into the league, had a lot more cheap shots, had a lot less production, and his underlying numbers weren't great. And he was playing with like a Vetchkin and he was already playing with some like of the top end guys on the Caps, and it was like okay, I don't know what we'll to be able to like see here, and then. He stayed with Ovechkin and Backstrom, or off, and has been killing it. But the whole thing is, he's pretty much been playing with Ovechkin on his line for a while now. So that that. helps with your production a little bit. And then also Josh Anderson was somebody this year who I liked him. I didn't want the Flyers to trade for him and give him the contract that the Canadians did. Like That Bergeron contract was a pretty ballsy, insane contract to hand out for a guy that scored one goal and was coming off a shoulder injury. Uh, lash or like shoulder surgery so everybody wants these guys but if they don't exist it's hard to acquire them <laughs> like do you know what i mean everybody like, wants every, a unicorn yeah i would like a shea weber in his prime a guy that's going to be able to move shoot 120 miles per hour and score you 20 goals while clearing the crease where is the active of shea weber at this point in time like don't throw out something you want if there's no actual way to go out and acquire it slash you know it like, the moves that are going to need to get there, and they're just not going to happen. Also, it's funny to me, too, because I do see a lot of people... There's been, like, a Josh Anderson... Like, I've seen some tweets about Josh Anderson, and then I also saw people talking about, like, how spending too much money on wingers, or, like, wingers not producing and everything. I'm like, well, that's exactly what the Anderson... Like, that's what that risk was with that signing. Because if he got what he got in Columbus before he got hurt, he looks like he does now, and he's... Man, that Toffoli and Anderson signings by Birdman were, uh, were pretty good. Toffoli, man, pretty that goddamn was... Good right now. Yeah, they,
0: yeah. They, they pretty much lucked out on both of those. Yeah. like I, I will say... Holy shit, Anderson's oh, wait, go ahead, got yeah. seven goals this year. I didn't even realize that. That's No, that's... yeah. And but like that was a big gamble. It, it was a big risk.
1: Huge gamble. It's, it is a huge gamble, and it's paying off right now. And honestly, if it wasn't paying off, that would even weaken the argument for going out and getting this. Like, I don't think the Flyers are going to be able to find a guy that gets... You, I think you're going to have to look the Corey Perry route. If you're really concerned about this, you get a guy like Corey Perry has been available or Pat Maroon or another guy that can play in the bottom six. It's funny that i am throwing out Pat Maroon, but like a guy that plays in the bottom six, you will, will play like third or fourth line minutes for you can actually contribute. And, and also it doesn't cost anything. And you don't have to, I don't know. Like there, there's ways to add more like physicality or, uh, dick-headedness to a lineup without. Dickheadedness. That's, like breaking. That's the breaking term. The that's where I'm at. Yeah. Dickheadedness. Well, that's what I think of. Like, Corey Perry can score, though, still, and he can still. And he is an asshole. I don't know. Everybody hates he him. He's an asshole. Yeah. Like, he is the I, I that people are looking for. You know, we talked
0: about flyerish non flyers. Like, Corey Perry is 100%. God, he's at the top of the like, list. Yeah. He's a guy I'm shocked has not been a flyer. <laughs> yeah,
1: honestly. Yeah. <laughs> he really yeah, does fit the Flyers mold.
0: It's crazy to look I'm looking at Wilson's numbers. Not to keep harping on Wilson, but I mean that's essentially what everybody's asking for is Tom Wilson. And
1: No, it is, yeah.
0: To just look where he's at. So his first first season he had 10 points in 82 games. 17 points, 23 points, 19 points. And then in 2017-18 he upped to uh-huh. 35 points. He scored 14 goals, 21 assists that year. Yeah. So that's really when he went playoffs. Yeah and that's when he became just an invaluable resource to that team. Like he was pretty solid for them up to that point for what they were looking for. He was known as a goon who could score a couple goals, but then he did that and then the last two seasons he scored 22 and 21 goals. So that's 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 a great resource for that team, but that was a guy who was pretty much just a goon before that.
1: Yeah. And also like I don't think I, I don't think you need team toughness to win. I think he might need an element of it, and I think like an argument for that would be the Lightning with Maroon last year. But even then, I I think the Lightning win in 2020 without Patrick Maroon. I think whatever the hell happened to them in 2019, they were just kind of like, all right, well, we can't fucking do that again. And then they just focused on defense. I really, the the defensive change is what I think got them the cup last year.
0: I think so. I think so. And it's funny because teams did take the wrong lesson from that. Because the thing about the Lightning is they are one of the most (laughs) talented teams in the league that get to cheat the salary cap every year somehow Uh, uh, between Florida's uh, tax law and whatever magic bullshit, whatever can of magic beans they get to pull out every year to cheat the salary cap, they do it. But an immensely talented team, the Tampa Bay Lightning are. They are just phenomenal. And I think it was a matter of time before they won a cup, but yeah, you can say it's toughness if you really want to, but yeah, I think playing that defensive element real, that's what put the capitals over the top before that too, is being able to actually balance that defensive element with their offensive skill. And it's not Pat Maroon guys. And like, I'm really glad Wayne Simmons is enjoying himself in Toronto because like that he's not what that team needed to get over the top, but I'm glad he's having a good time there so far and playing for his, his hometown team. And, because I love Wayne Simmons. I always love Wayne yeah. Simmons. He will always be a flyer to me, and he's always welcome in the orange and black. I don't care if he's the worst player on the ice. I, I love him back there, and he's still going to beat the shit out of a guy, just like he...
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Jordy Ben, I think oh, it was this week, man. annihilated him.
0: That was such a, like, professional... It was like a professional fighter going up against an amateur. God like, God. Where it was so bad. Blocking yeah, every punch. It. Like It was just <laughs> Neo at the end of the Matrix. Like, okay, I know what to do here.
1: yeah. I, but like I, I think the, you're right. They don't need like the Leafs didn't need William Simmons to go over the top, but I, I think it was fair to say the Leafs needed that element to their game. If that makes sense. Like their like their defense or offense needed somebody that just goes to the fucking net and slams on rebounds. I okay. I think yeah, that's I, I think you're right about like, that. Well
0: especially on the power play, right? Like somebody who yeah, can like really step in there it, in that situation and, and, and they need a finisher, like, which is something that also Flyers yeah. fans always complain like, uh, about like, not having is yeah. a finisher.
1: Yeah. So Which like JVR has again, been doing
0: this year so far.
1: Yeah. And if you hold on, not yet. Uh, and if you do that, <laughs> we're still going to
0: talk about this. This is the JVR podcast that today, folks, that's, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Okay. We will, I know we will get to the JVR factory. There's one guy I wanted to bring up on the toughness front last night. Nicholas Abe Kubel of the NAKGB hmm. went and got into a fight. It was not a pretty fight. It was not really an effective fight but oh, yeah, he no. is somebody on the roster with a, a little bit of size who is here currently. And I don't know if, cause he's been playing with this team when complaining and there've been complaints about toughness. I don't know if he's the answer, but I mean, he is a guy who provides some grit and is not, he's effective. Yeah. He's not, I don't know if he's effective necessarily in the department where people want the grit and toughness factor, but I, he think, is, he is? I think so too. I, I, I mean, yeah. you might have the answer and he might just have to grow into the role. I don't necessarily want to see him and Samuel Moran out there on the same roster, though, to, to really try and take care of your toughness business.
1: No, I would be fine with NAK as that guy. And I think you're right. That is a pretty good point. Um, and I even mentioned it last night, too, because some fucking Twitter account out there that like had was like how many days since the Flyers last fought. And everybody was like, oh, this is the problem. They're not dropping the gloves. That's why they don't play team defense or some stupid shit like that. And then NAK goes shit? out Jesus. there. N.A.K. goes out there, uh, you know, gets punched in the face a couple times, and then there was no... Like, the Flyers had the most boring period, boring period of the season after that. <laughs> so, like, the Flyers, you know, got finally got to a fight, listless hockey, choke away, and over lead. So, it's not like the fighting or the physicality or the toughness is really going to alter that much. But also, yeah, N.A.K., I think, could be that guy. He had five hits on... Not last night, but on Wednesday, I think he had five hits. And, like, not hit hits, like, five hits where he was... <laughs> putting people parallel in the corner like they were pretty big he had his own highlight reel on uh on once enough, now if i remember correctly and i think he is a guy uh i don't know if he has that he has the tenacity i don't know if he has the like uh the presence on the ice yet i guess if that makes sense there it does not seem like teams are aware of him on the ice enough yet but he is being a physical presence like he doesn't have the reputation of like a wilson or a chris wagner or anybody else that we've the Flyers have played recently, like a Cal Clutterbuck or Martin or, like, somebody that is really annoying and physical to go up against. Uh, but you're right, NAK could be that guy. And that kind of does, you know, does kind of lessen this argument here because uh, he kind of already is on the roster. I mean, that's a bottom six guy that can skate well, chip in offensively, and also uh, hurts people physically. <laughs> so, like, that is, yeah, that's what I think people are looking for, and he's already here. So maybe he grows into it. The uh, answer might already be on the roster, Steven. Just look in the mirror. Stephan, it's you. Just look in the mirror. Yeah, it's you. Yeah, congrats. it was be <laughs> the whole time.
0: Now, we're speaking about, you know, guys the team might need, you know, uh, p- potential things to address through a trade or something like that. There is one big piece that is not, you know, there's a big piece on this roster that is hurt right now that may be coming back soon.
1: Yeah. Uh, and we mentioned it at the top with the Lions and uh, Katoria playing. But Katoria, it sounds like he will be back at some point this week, if not on Sunday. Um, so I'm looking at the notes I had from uh, from the outline. And uh, for Thursday, it was saying he was going to be five to eight days away. And now it sounds like he might even be playing on Sunday. But I think AV was a little hesitant on that. And it sounds like he should be in either uh, Tuesday or Thursday.
0: I really would not want to rush him back. Him being back healthy and effective is really just so vitally important for this team. He is a leader on the ice. He is a leader in the locker room. He is just like, and he's their best player. He is flat out their best player.
1: Mm -hmm. He is. I I mean, again, we always do the drill or we always, you know, for years and I've talked about how Injuries can't be an excuse. If one player is your team, that's not a great sign. All that stuff, yada, yada, yada. But in theory, if you went through every team in the league and you had to pick one player out of the lineup that they really couldn't afford to lose for an extended period of time, for a while now, it's been Katoria for the Flyers. Uh, That doesn't mean he's the most talented offensively, but he's a pretty good fucking two-way forward. He's pretty well-rounded, and he has... Huge positive impact for the team in the offensive uh, and defensive zones in all three phases of the game. So and he usually gets the most amount of ice time out of everybody, and he's able to drive play a five and five. He's a huge ingredient. Like he, he's showing freaking if he was on any other team, if you took him away, it would be a big deal.
0: He's a sulky winner. He is
1: yeah, that really explains it all. Like if well, like he's also about one of their top years, three
0: point scorers.
1: Yeah. Like, any other year where those guys want Selkies, like, if you took Bergeron or Tease or Kopitar off those teams, like, those teams would look a little different. And uh, once he comes back, I think, like, if the Flyers are able to win the next one or two games without him and they end up going 7-2-2 two, and two without him, that's a pretty good sign. Because it's not like the Flyers are going to get worse once he gets into the lineup. They might stop being as lucky or not getting as many bounces, you know, having one of the worst shot differentials on average across the league and still winning games because you're producing that stuff may not happen, but they should look better. And then in the long run, that means they should be more competitive in the playoffs. So uh, yeah, he should be back next week. Is what it sounds like. And that's information we got right before the podcast. So not oh, wow. a ton of details on that. And then also as close to breaking news
0: as fly purple, can get.
1: Yeah, that's as close as we'll get. There's also more breaking news. We'll get to uh, a little bit down in the in the outline, but it's not as big. But uh, one other entry note too, since we already talked about Myers and Ghost and Katori. and now uh, Morgan Frost will have surgery on his shoulder and is out for months. Uh, that is also according to I saw that from Charlie. So I'm God, get that him sucks. Credit for that. Yeah, it does suck. And again, that would be another. You know, the the defense has been getting a lot of shit, uh, but the offense uh, hasn't really produced a ton at 5-5 five five either in terms of generating chances. Uh, the Flyers have been a weird team. Like they, They're they scaring me. Again, this is all without Couture but they're scaring me a little bit because I kind of the feel that they did to me in the early part of 2018-19 where because of how shorthanded they are on defense, it feels like they have two modes. Where either... They're going to trade chances with you, and both ends of the ice are going to be fucking nuts, and you're going to see like a 6-5, to 5-4 five, five to four game. Or we're going to have like Friday's game where literally nothing happens because all they're doing is focusing on the defensive side of the puck and don't want to give up any mistakes. For a while there, they were finding ways to, to win, but now the last couple of games, they found a way to lose. And again, it's Boston who they seemingly... It's like their thing this year. They just love the blown games of Austin, but that, they're also that's really freaking be great. Good. <laughs> like yeah, the it great if this could stop doing that. Yeah. I, I,
0: I don't want to make excuses, but I am going to make an excuse. The Bruins are really freaking good. If there's one team you can make excuses against, it's, I, I wouldn't even, I don't even think it's an argument. The Bruins are the best team in this division.
1: Sure. Okay. Losing to them, yes. Blowing multiple third-period leads. It's not, so far. Yeah, <laughs> it's not great! I'm fully cognizant it's <laughs> not great. That's what I'm saying. I'm fully yeah. cognizant the of Bruins that, and good. I'm
0: very frustrated, yeah. obviously, by it. But it's also the Bruins. Yeah. I would... like. Don't I, do that. Don't you, blow the opportunities. Like, obviously, don't blow any opportunities if you can. But you really gotta take care of business against the lesser teams in this division. Yeah. Like, I, You I can make excuses for losing to the good teams, but you got to win those Sabers games. You got to win those Devils games, those Rangers games, and yes, even the stinkin' Islanders, which they found a way recently. They got to keep yeah. finding a way to beat those teams. You beat the majority of those teams and you know, they they match up much better I think with the I don't. With yeah. the Capitals and the Pe- Penguins than they do with the Bruins.
1: I got a bad feeling about that. I mean, if they had it is the Bruins. You're making good points. My whole thing is, if they had an opportunity to gra- grab some points from the Bruins, it already happened. The Poshnik's back. I man, know, like they already. <laughs> yeah, I'm it's just, frustrating. Look, it's frustrating for sure. I'm just, I'm upset, Stephen. The world's mad at me because of the Poshnik prediction. I just, I'm trying to well, get. Well, it was your right? fault. I'm just. I know. Yeah, I'm just. I'm too good at this. You know, it's just too. Uh, speaking of well. You already nailed the segue. JVR is on fire, folks. I mean, literally, figuratively, whatever you want to say. He is, he's lighting the world on <laughs> fire. Well, I don't wise. think he's
0: literally on fire. That'd be a literally problem.
1: Literally on fire. 16 points. Somebody call it the, the I was going to say somebody call the cop. JVR is on fire, but they don't handle fires. Uh, JVR, 16 points in 12 games this season, Stefan. Uh, going into Saturday's action, only four players in the NHL had 16 points or more. JVR, McDavid has 24, Dreisaitl has 22, and Mitch Marner has 17. So I'm grouping JVR within that group of players. They're on the same level. Clearly. Six goals and 10 assists in 12 games. Currently on a six-game point streak, uh, 11 points where he has three goals and eight assists with three multi-point games, including... Two-goal game in the de- uh, 5-3 winner of the Devils last week and four assists in Sunday's 4-3 overtime win God against the Islanders. Uh, again, also not just uh, producing. 82 players have played 140 minutes or more at 5-5 five five this year. JVR's 4.07 points per 60 of five 5-5 five going into month- er, Saturday's action. Is the best points per sixty rate in the league. Ailers is second at three point five three for the Jets, and McDavid is third with three point four three. So don't hurt him, James in the league. <laughs> at five five that's played a fair amount fair amount this season. JVR is producing the most among the forwards, and that doesn't even get into uh, the fact that he was named one of the stars of the month for January, along with Joe Pavelski and Anze Kopitar. In the month of January, he was sixth in the NHL with thirteen points. Uh And uh, tied for the League League with four power play goals. So producing at one of the best rates at four, it's at five and five, and also tied for the League League uh, with power play goals at four.
0: That is, as the kids say, what's up? The kids don't say that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And last night, also going on JVR before we started, uh, you know, really losing our minds over him. had a power play goal last night on a really good reflection from Gustafson. And also, I thought Wednesday's game, I thought he was one of the better players and did a lot of little stuff that he used. Always gets rolled on for, um, you know, his regard as a pigeon, only gets to production, doesn't actually do any of the work. But uh, I, I think he looked really good. Wednesday, he created a turnover in the offensive zone um, and set up a goal for, uh, I think it was Voracek. Yeah, and then he had a bunch of great plays on the therapy plays on Sunday. And uh, currently shooting 21.4%, Steve. Uh, six goals and 28 shots. Shot career high 16.2% in his Sounds first season. Back with the Flyers? So yeah, maybe not sustainable. Uh, but still, he just looks good overall. It's not like these goals are, you know, hitting his leg pad and going in. He's getting pretty good deflections. He's going to the front of the net and finishing off passing plays that are created for him. Like he is playing well.
0: James Van Riemsdyk is doing exactly what the Flyers paid him to do when they brought him back. This is what you want him to do. You want him to score those goals, those greasy goals in front of the net, the ones that. Mike Sielski might say are easy goals, but they, mm-hmm. I assure you, are not easy when you have a dude cross-checking you in the back, and you yeah, find you a way to deflect in and back. a 100-mile-an-hour yeah. puck into a net. <laughs> like, the hand-eye coordination involved in doing that is insane. And yeah. he's killing it right now, and he's doing little things, right? And even his, like, his little moves are looking smoother than they had in the past couple of years, where you know the one I'm talking about where he, like, sticks the net between, or sticks the, t- takes the stick between the legs and tries to shoot through there? Like oh, yeah, yeah. That he's, kind of shit, yeah. like, the sneaky little stuff, you know? Like, he is, he's yeah. finishing, he's, and the assists are awesome. Like, I, I, that's something he doesn't typically do. And he has a ton of assists right now, and he's really, like, yeah. working well with his teammates and setting them up as well.
1: Yeah, he's had, like, in his return, we've talked about, like, he'll have, Every once in a while, i will pull like a pretty nice time out of his ass. But he's had some really, really good passes this year. And I will say for him, and again, talking about the easy goals and not doing enough or like, like he's soft or whatever, uh, him and Fairbairn are the only two fuckers on this team actually going to the net right now. Uh, and I saw that on Wednesday a lot with JVR was there were two or three different times he'd pick up a loose puck in the corner. I think he caught the Bruins and, and the Flyers, too, in mid-line change and just took the puck from the corner and took it straight to the net and shot. Like him and therapy are the only two guys right now that aren't thinking pass first when they come into the offensive zone. They're guys that are just coming down the wings and just taking it right to the net. And I mean, if you look at two of the biggest point producers right now, it's JVR setting up therapy. So it would be nice if more people on the team did that. That might be a reason why they have some of the, the the worst uh, shot attempts, four percentages numbers in the league in terms of just general shot attempts. But yeah, JVR, again, got a lot of shit last year. He was somebody that was marked up going to Seattle in no time. And I think he's been uh, up. I mean, the team has needed him so far. <laughs> if he hasn't produced some of these, the, the record would look a lot different, I think. Yeah. And also the power play would be an even bigger issue because, honestly, they, they're they doing really well. But I mean they don't convert, man, it, the power it's ugly. play is gross. It's real it's ugly. T- a, they can't get in the zone. And they really And then there are times where after they struggle to get in the zone, all they do is pass around the perimeter before fucking up a pass. So it's whenever yeah, that happens,
0: is, I I just scream. It is just, so infuriating. <laughs> the
1: top of my lungs, yeah.
0: I mean, they've had they've had some real bad like two man advantages recently too, where you're just staring at it in disbelief. How do you screw up a two man advantage? It just doesn't yeah, yeah. make any sense.
1: Yeah. It's
0: It's all the stuff that we've criticized the Flyers for over the years, the not shooting enough, the, you know, the overpassing. I mean, I always go back and forth because I wouldn't want to lose the production from any of their bigger names that are accused of not shooting enough. But there are times where you really would want like another finisher in favor of another Mm -hmm. passer. Like the team succeeded for the most part. And we're talking about guys with a ton of points who are still finding ways to produce on this team that are making goals even if they aren't direct goals and, but it's still there's still times where you want to see these guys shoot more you want to have another guy who can just bury pucks as opposed to a guy who's gonna pass it to another guy who's gonna pass it to another guy and maybe they'll <laughs> pass it in the back of the net uh, Voracek style who knows
1: hopefully yeah, Both yeah get that mentality going team wide honestly I think a big ish, or a big issue right now is just connection. He's not fucking scoring either I mean he's got he was the happier, team's top right? producer
0: last year, and it, yep. it, yeah, I the hat had trick was great. Goal... But besides that, he hasn't really done much.
1: I think he has one goal. That he's actually scored with his stick on purpose. Uh, which, if you're going to be playing in the top six and you're a guy that's supposed to be the finisher on this team, you gotta you gotta finish more. I, I think that is a, a problem that's kind of going on now. Um, but again, that might get leveled out when Katori comes back in the lineup because that could be. I mean, Limblom Couturier Konechny was a pretty Dominant top line last year, uh, or a pretty dangerous top line. So if they get back together and start, you know, getting into the chemistry of last year, that might be uh, maybe starts picking it up then. Yeah,
0: Konechny's got eight points in eleven games, five goals, three assists. But as you <laughs> said, he had the hat trick. So the majority of that in game, game two. in one game.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, second game of the year. So now we're they're through what twelve now. So. You know, we're looking at uh, 10 games in the 50 game season where uh, it hasn't really, you haven't really noticed connected that much. Uh, by the way, Josh Anderson just scored again, going to go the net, picking up a rebound.
0: But I, I, would ne- I would have thought the Flyers were insane if they, like, that was a Kevin Hayes situation, but way worse. Because we all thought they were nuts when they signed Hayes to that contract. And, I mean. Hey, yeah. I know Hayes hasn't been as effective with Couturier out. I think Hayes' Jeez. real value comes when Couturier's in there and he can be a true. 2C, but mm-hmm. I have not regretted the Hayes contract to this point, and I will knock on wood over that one. But I would have thought they were insane if they had signed Josh Anderson to
1: the contract that the Montreal Canadiens did. Oh, no, I, I still do. Yeah. I, I still do, too. And we'll see how that works out uh, for them. But again, I would have liked Anderson. I don't know about the price tag. What? There was another point I was going to make here. And then Josh Anderson completely Was it about up my Kevin whole...
0: Hayes or Sean Couturier? Or... Kevin Hayes. I thought James I was going to say Kevin Hayes was like... fine. Kevin mistake. Hayes has been
1: fine. <laughs> he's, been, he's been producing, too, and I think he's looked uh, five at, fine at a uh, 5-on-5, five five, and he's still doing Kevin Hayes stuff, just controlling the puck forever. So I think Hayes is good.
0: I mean, he's he's producing. He's got 11 points in 12 games, so yeah. he's the team's second. Well, he's tied for for second most of points because Hayes, Voracek, and Drew all have 11 points in 12 games. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's good that they're all you know, that there's steady production all around. You know, we talked about depth and, you know, nobody's leading the team right now with their one of their better players out. So that is a good sign. And I was well. alluding to
0: players who produce that aren't necessarily putting the puck in the back of the net. And I'm I'm basically looking at that Voracek-Drew block right there, which I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I don't want to, I, I love both those players. And I think this team needs both those players. But there are times where, you know, people have their frustrations with the fact that, Neither of those players are goal scorers, and you're seeing oh, that right now like because Claude yeah. Giroux's got one goal and 10 assists, and Jay Voracek's got three goals and eight assists. They are guys yeah. who, they just feel more comfortable passing for the most part. Now, it, thankfully, Farabee and uh, Jam, Jam Reamstike over here are <laughs> putting the puck in the back of the net. Again, like Konechny, it's very deceptive because Konechny's got five goals, but again, three of them came in one game. And I know Farabee's also had a hat trick, but I I guess it just feels like Farabee's had a little bit more consistency and it feels like he's out there uh, contributing offensively uh, more frequently than Konechny has been, who it really does feel like he has been largely invisible. I thought Konechny was going to come back really strong from that benching and he just has not come back as strong as you, you really wanted him to. I mean, you can see it on the shots, right, where... Uh, Van Reemstijk has 28 shots on the season. Hayes has 29. Farabee's got 25. Konechny's down there at 15. He's got less than Proveroff. proveroff has got 18 shots.
1: Yeah. And, fair, and going back to Farabee's goal scoring too, like, uh, He's he's got a ton of goals in only a few goal-scoring games, if that makes sense. Like, I think he said he had the hat-trick and then a couple other games where he scored, and that was it. But all of his goals have been fucking wild. Like, they've all been one-timers laced for and Oh, yeah, Uh, they've been beautiful.
0: That one that went uh, from Van Riemsdyk to Lawton to Farabee, where Lawton and Farabee actually took advantage of a two-on-one. It was (laughs) freaking awesome. I think that was in uh, the first of the two Bruins games this week, right?
1: Think so? I think, yeah. yeah that I was been, the one that put him yeah. up
0: two to one or three to one, something like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. It was three to one. Yeah, it was the one that made him three to right, one. Right,
0: because I was actually happy for a moment in my life, and then uh-huh. it had to all get and shut all down very down, quickly yeah. by the Bruins. <laughs> Jesus Christ! But like to actually see them take advantage of that two on one and see a guy blast away like Farabee did was awesome. I just want to see TK. He started off the season well, where he was—he had that jerky attitude. Jerkstore was fully back. He was
1: yeah. jawing at
0: guys and drawing penalties. I feel, and like, yeah. I feel like him and Lawton, things have kind of gotten away from them the past couple games, or the past, I, oh, I would yeah, say, a week or so for cool. Konechny. Lawton took two yeah. bonehead penalties two games in
1: a row, and one of them really killed the Flyers. I mean... Yeah, we're gonna run through the. Uh, there's not too many stats from the last couple of games, especially now because the games are a week old. But man, that penalty Lawton took to close out the uh, regulation on Wednesday was bad. Like that was a penalty you just. You didn't can't
0: take do. that with and seven. There's seven was, seconds left in the game.
1: Yeah, he's not gonna do anything with that. Or in regulation, also, rather,
0: like just get to OT and start fresh. Start fresh. Go try to, to the loose that. puck. And instead, they, like there was they're put in a so bad position regions. to start OT, and they almost lost it in regulation. They almost didn't even get the point.
1: Yeah, which would have been more insane. And that's the thing. Like, this week, to me, it was... I'm happy that uh, Katori is coming back, and it sounds like, you know, Hart's finally Limbaugh's flying, and uh, Meyer should be back relatively soon, too. But with Katori out, it kind of, it's been a team where we were getting to the point where it felt like with... Their record and how they had played, whether or not you believed the winning was still going to happen with the way they were looking, or when they were going to start having the like good luck run out. I guess that makes sense. Like there is no way they could keep doing what they were doing and expect to keep always ending up on the right side of the result. Like the last two games, they have gotten, they found ways to lose them after the first ten games of the season, where. We've questioned the process and it was like they found a way to win. Well it's like, well, good teams found a way to win. But it was like hell like they gotta prove they're a good team again first. Like the last two games have been they found ways to lose. So hopefully that stops when Katori comes back. Uh, if not, it's gonna be a really fucking painful season. And it just means the first ten games they got lucky. But I, I like to think that when Couturier comes back, they're going to look like a completely different team, which they should. I, I think him being added to the lineup just changes a lot, especially in terms of matchups and, you know, kind of pushing everybody down the lineup a little bit.
0: That's a guy who takes up so many minutes on a given night. I, I mean, what's his average? I, I don't have it in front of me, but he's no, got an yeah, average at least 20, minutes, 20 minutes a night, which that's huge. He's close.
1: It's a lot for – and that's a lot for a forward. I'll, I'm looking it up right now, but I think he, he – he came close last year
0: I mean he plays in all situations he that's 20 plus minutes a night he is a guy and he's your best defensive player period even with even Ivan Provorov like Sean Couturier (laughs) is still your best defensive player he's just that good it makes that much of a difference and it it helps the death all the way down I mean it's your number one center and he's a legitimate number one center you can't you look at almost any team and they lose their number one center, and that changes every dynamic. That it, yeah, it, it is just a fact. And it, when he comes back, this Flyers team is just totally different. It is a new team. I am excited, and that's what you're saying. They really needed to survive Couturier being out and get points where they could. I not getting an extra point. Really, they should have had two extra points against the Bruins over these past couple weeks. Mm. I'm fine losing the second game i'm not fine with it but you know what i mean like if you yeah. come away from each bruin series with two to three points that's pretty satisfying it's not perfect but it does the trick
1: yeah like friday's game was upsetting but it's more like if it was just that game by itself that's just kind of a uh, you know you if they hadn't just oh, blown it two game. nights before then it would have been Yeah, like i don't think i would have been that because again the process like Structurally, that may have been one of the better games. That game and the game they had on Saturday or Sunday against the Islanders were two of the better games they've looked overall, just in terms of actually playing with structure and controlling the puck at five on five. Um, Katori, by the way, played 1950 a game last year, so just about 20 minutes. Yeah, they, they, exactly. He was 25th among forwards, 11 seconds behind Alexander Barkov, by the way. So, okay,
0: well, oh, under- oh, the most underrated player there. in the history yeah, of exactly. sports. Not just the NHL. We don't
1: talk about Barkov on this podcast at all. So maybe they got a point, Steve. You know, if you don't talk about
0: Barkov, does he even exist? I don't know.
1: Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah.
0: (laughs) One area I think Couturier is really going to help this team too is finishing games because they are having a lot of trouble defensively finishing games. We've seen this with the Bruins. We saw this with the games against the Islanders where they just aren't able to stand up defensively. John Couturier is always the no-brainer. Couturier is going out there at the end of the game. And helping the Flyers finish it.
1: No, he is. Yeah, it is uh we'll we'll see. We'll see what the uh him getting implemented back into the roster means. Hopefully it will mean nothing but good stuff. Let me I'm trying to run through okay, let's look at some of these numbers here. So Lawton had two points in the uh overtime win against the Islanders last Saturday, the three two overtime win. It was his first regular season overtime winner. Uh his first Overtime winner ever was against the Islanders in game five, uh, which was also when he had his last uh, multi point game. Just got to let Lawton face the Islanders, apparently, and uh, he's in pretty good shape. Uh, Gosses Spare scored his 200th NHL point on Lawton's overtime goal as well. He's one of now six uh, Philadelphia defensemen hit 200 points or more. Mark uh, Mark is first with, uh, first with 480, Desjardins second with 396, Kimo Timo uh, there with 270, Tom Bladen uh, 230. And then Ben Wilson 214 14. So Ghost, uh, good company, might right be, there. Yeah, it's pretty good company. He might be a uh, fifth in no time. Uh, and kind of surprised to see Ben Wilson out there, but I guess it was the 80s. Uh, Hayes and Voracek also had a goal. Braun had his physical presence felt with four hits and four blocked shots. That's uh,
0: what he's known uh, for. Time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Therapy hat trick on uh, in the win on Sunday. Um, our second hat trick of the year like we were just talking about connecting second in the second game of the year um we should also talk about michael raffle wearing gritty's communically large uh hat that was
0: fantastic because
1: we saw the yeah we saw the hat comically large not comically. uh saw the hat in the connect hat trick and then raffle decided to take advantage and just toss that thing right on his head
0: the size 14 hat it, it, it was fantastic <laughs> Farabee with that hat trick, very impressive, and one of the youngest flyers to ever get
1: a hat trick. Yeah, I think I saw, so he's one of five flyers ever to record a hat trick before the age of 21. I think that's in all games because I saw the stat before was he was one of three flyers to get it before the age of 21, and it was him, Richards.
0: Lindros, 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 Lindros.
1: Yeah, and then uh, and then somebody <laughs> like pointed was, out to me it was hilarious. Yeah. It was just
0: like Lindros, 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 Lindros therapy.
1: Somebody pointed out that uh, Katoria had one in the postseason, so I think it was Katoria, and then I forget who else had A another very, one. Very,
0: very young Sean Katori I want to say. Yeah. 19 yeah, exactly. or something like that at the time yeah and that
1: was something like i didn't even think about it when i heard that said originally and then as soon as i said it on post game somebody was like what about katoria in 2012 and i was like yeah what about twenty twelve? <laughs> i was like why did they not mention this
0: but for some reason those playoff hat tricks really just seem to kind of just i guess slip away from a lot of people because I don't know. The record keeping is really different with that for some reason. It that, is.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: Cause that's one of the wildest games, you know, to look back at mm-hmm. is that that game where both drew and Katorie had that hat series, tricks. Was it drew? Or that was it series was
1: nuts. No, it was true. It was uh, true. I thought series, it was true. That series was nuts. And that game may have been honestly the most, that or game three are the most bonkers game two. It still took played.
0: overtime.
1: Yeah. Game. Uh, game two. Game two didn't take overtime. time. Game one did.
0: I know, but th- didn't the game where they had multiple hat tricks, uh, Katoria and Drew? No, did... no, no. They
1: won eight to five. Oh so that game—it's was... it's so
0: hard to remember. No, the, no, it was just th- a, those first couple I games are just remember, insane. Yeah, just Actually, bonkers. the entire series is bonkers. The entire series is insane.
1: I'm trying to remember. So eight to five. Drew and had Drew and Keturia had hat tricks. Drew had six points to set the franchise record for points in a game. Prousey scored 15 seconds in. Uh, what else happened in that game? I mean that. I mean that's. <laughs> what did That game was that nuts. Game. Yeah, that was just that. That game was pure insane. And then the next game was even more insane with all the fighting and um, the Flair goals. Oh my God, the Flair goals against in the game three are. <laughs> Some of the best goals against I've ever seen in my life. There's some of the greatest moments in my life. Just flurry with that bouncing goal against Talbot. I'll never forget that. <laughs> I think I forever. watched that
0: game at Xfinity Live and it was. Oh my God. It was a oh bonkers God. environment. It. Yeah. Like, it was like being there. That, that was the that one the time old. where I went to Xfinity Live and I have no regrets about it because it was phenomenal.
1: I was going to say, like, that would be, if there was ever a game, if I had to pick, like, in recent history where I think Xfinity Live wasn't. Was Xfinity Live around for the cup? The trip to the cup. I don't think so. I was, I was like, it would be either game three or game three of the cup, or I think that one. Game three of 2012 against the Pens. I would have wanted to be at, yeah, Xfinity Live because those games would have been absolutely.
0: It was elbow to elbow, which I can't even fathom being elbow to elbow People <laughs> right now, at yeah. this point. It was just elbow to elbow. you yeah. we were just hugging and high-fiving strangers and just like jumping up and down, and it was yeah. awesome.
1: That is, uh, I just imagine seeing people in public right now. You know what I mean? Like hanging out with people. I waited in a socially
0: yeah. distant line for tacos today, and that still felt like it was too close.
1: Oh, yeah. They were tacos. I... good tacos. Worth it? Yeah. Worth it, yeah. Let's, look at, let's talk about the, the Wednesday game. wasn't great, uh, but it was Drew's 900th NHL game, uh, to which the Flyers celebrated by not getting a shot on Tuka Rask until 9-27 in, and also at seven turnovers in the first period. So I mean, just shoot, a the clock, cap. just shoot it, Just shoot it. Yeah, just shoot it. Yeah. 900 games, uh, though,
0: and one of the longest tenured Flyers captains in history. I mean, it's it's been a hell of a ride for Claude Drew, and I really need this goddamn franchise to bring that man a Stanley Cup. Yeah.
1: Yeah, be, that will be. Are you listening, Chucky? To two traits. <laughs> uh, also from that game, uh, Hay scored uh, to give him 11 points in 11 games. He was also on a three game goal streak, which tied his career high. Mm-hmm. He also had. Oh, he had a, no. He had a career-long four-game goal streak in November of uh, 2016. He did not tie that last night because JVR had the only goal. Uh, as I said earlier, NAK had five hits on Wednesday. Uh, Pasternak's hat trick on Wednesday. According the Adam Kimmelman, he you was mean the your hat
0: trick that you will David Pasternak to have?
1: Yes, uh, the 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 hat trick I was waiting for Pasternak to have because I, I do have him on my fantasy team. Uh, he is the first player ever to score. 15 sec uh, within the first 15 seconds of regulation and the final 15 seconds of regulation in a hat trick. Um, so there's that little fun fact for the Flyers because he did open the scoring 12 seconds in on a hilariously bad play and then he tied it with 14.9 seconds left in regulation, and it was the first hat trick against the Flyers since Timo Myers in the Flyers six to one loss in San Jose on December 28th. 2019 the road trip we never want to talk about but seemingly somehow always mention it about like a year and a half later that's probably because i'm always looking at these stats from last year and everything that went wrong could have gone wrong on that road trip and that was i had a bunch of notes about the lines compared to a uh, sunday and wednesday that's all useless now because of the new lines uh that we're seeing now in practice steve they played in the reverse retros on wednesday what do we think I
0: like them. Saw it in I action. actually, I like them a lot. I like them a lot better once they were in action, which I, I think you can go back.
1: Reaction. Oh, see, yeah, I think like, you can
0: go back to the episode where we first saw the leak, and I think I said I need to see them in action on a player to see how it looks, and I, yeah, it makes all sure the difference. Enough. It really does. No, I like them. Um, I think they look sharp. I, I want them to continue with them as a, an alternate for a while.
1: I wonder, like, and I, I'm not doing this, and I don't know who's going to be doing this. I wonder how much disparity between how excited fans were for their original leak they got of their team's reverse retro to how much I actually like it. I feel like the like the Flyers had the biggest 180 in the league. I felt like nobody liked the original leak for the Flyers jersey. And then all once in a year, everybody was like, these jerseys are fucking dope. Like they were, they yeah. all went from <laughs> no thank you to I need one of these.
0: No thank, no thank you time. to Brad's making them an Animal Crossing.
1: Yeah. So, and Brown was somebody who I think was very staunchly on the fence. Just like they were very yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I
0: I thought they looked great, and yeah, there was a big one eighty because I remember like the Penguins one came out, and Penguins fans were like, "I like that crisp Penguins."
1: Objectively,
0: but it's also the most boring. You know, oh, it's fucking diagonal letters.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it makes sense for them. Yo, I have
0: to mention on that note, by the way. The Carolina Hurricanes Duncan on the Penguins on Twitter about that was so
1: good. Did you see that? No, I did not see that. So
0: the the Hurricanes had tweeted out something along the lines of uh, really ballsy of you guys to wear the diagonal letter jersey against the team that invented the diagonal letter jersey when they were playing the Rangers. (laughs) And the Penguins tried to clap back with something along the lines of, didn't you steal your logo from Quiznos or something, which is just lame? And then yeah. uh, the Penguin—I I think the Penguins lost that game. I want to say, and the Hurricanes answered back, and I think they said something along the lines of, uh, "Of uh, can we buy you some Quiznos in this trying time?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> any any measured, uh, I think the Hurricanes are a pretty good Twitter account. They've uh, they're one of the better ones in the league, I would think. IMO, or at least I see them dunking on teams every once in a while. Unfortunately, the Devils hired somebody pretty good at, at Twitter too recently, which is not uh not an ideal development. I mean, but uh, yeah, but
0: they still have the just the worst, you know, the worst mascot in the league.
1: Yeah, they really. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Bold
0: move wearing these against the inventors of diagonal. Bold move to steal the Quiznos logo, which everyone's <laughs> Bold- back.
1: There it is. Also, Bull moved the Flyers to lose fashion. These puppies. So they were. The, that was the only enjoyable fact about Wednesday night's game. Was they were, were, were they were down some pretty sick threats. They looked pretty good out there choking that game away. Uh,
0: that was <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna choke a game away, you wanna you wanna look good doing it.
1: Do it in style, yeah. At least you know, have some kind of toe there from it. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, speaking of games for the Flyers to choke away, hopefully. Uh, these four games that have had their game, uh, the dates changed from when they're going to be played, the Flyers don't choke away. That was an alright segue. Whatever. It's Saturday afternoon. We're not used to doing this at this Saturday time.
0: afternoon. Uh, we are uh, not have cold ones yet. I might get one big yeah, podcast though. We'll this see.
1: is <laughs> uh Apparently, according to uh, the league uh, today, they have changed four Flyers games. Uh, all road games, and uh, the first game that has been impacted in terms of schedule was Flyers Rangers game on February sixteenth has been uh, moved from then until uh, to February fourteenth at six p.m. So that is now next Sunday. That game will be played. So Steve, uh, we got to alter the uh, forecast on uh, that we're going to record in a couple of days. Uh, next one is Buffalo. The games against Buffalo that are supposed to be played on the February twenty-sixth and uh, March thirtieth are now going to be moved to February twenty-seventh and February thirty-first. So both those games are just getting moved back a day. Um, and then the, uh, the one on the 27th is going to be played at one. The one on March 31st is going to be played at 7.30 PM. And then the last one was, uh, the devils have probably my favorite, uh, date change was, uh, they're originally supposed to have a game on, uh, 4.20 and now it's put <laughs> on, now it's on for, uh, April fool's day at 7 PM. So we went from being a uh, high as fuck about that game and not knowing if it was happening to, we don't know if it's going to happen because somebody might be. Playing a joke on us. So there's a lot. I don't know if that game's happening. There's a lot going well, on there. Just folks it, for...
0: just know this. You have to be high to watch the New Jersey Devils play hockey. Hey
1: oh, and I'll tell you what, that might be true. Uh you crack did you just crack open one? Is I did, I said I would and Oh nice.
0: <laughs> I follow through my promises, folks
1: uh what else about the uh, COVID, chuck fletcher it's a mess was... right now
0: it's a goddamn oh, mess yeah, you know it's funny we have a whole section i think yeah, it was on gonna... the forecast where we were just like oh the nhl's done a pretty good job well, with it so talk... far compared okay. to other no, no 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 i'm not criticizing you i, yeah, I was yeah, just... yeah. we were saying like the nhl's done a pretty good job compared to other leagues and then like the next day it just basically came I... out well the nhl yeah. has fucked this up
1: I was saying more about they actually see... It. They're doing pretty good at being serious about, like, the actual punishments, it seemed like. They completely... They were doing alright, too, I guess, at the time, but holy shit, it has gone off the rails in, like, the last week or so. It's like, just real become
0: bad. just, just horrific. I mean, it's, it's bad all over, obviously. Like, we're all living yeah. in this world where we know how bad it is, but it's... The NHL ha- NHL's handling it has gotten very poor. I mean, it's bad in all sports. I, I think... Kevin Durant was playing a game last night and got like pulled midway. And they gotta oh, stop sure, with this Justin Turner shit. Like they gotta stop Yeah. MLB screwed it up with Justin Turner where he shouldn't have even been allowed into that game and he was playing a World Series game and hugging people and just like <laughs> I, I Yeah, it, it was it was insane. It, it just sports with COVID is such a bad combination. And these leagues are just so determined to plow through And make it happen. And now we're talking about fans maybe coming back. No, bad idea. Bad
1: idea. Yeah. So let's, uh, I, again, this was for the outline on Thursday and I mainly just carried it over with uh, the schedule update now, but the Flyers are one of the teams that have been least affected by COVID and they just had to announce Uh, uh, schedule changes today. Big old knock on wood for that one. (laughs) Yeah. uh, There's also, uh, and they also had to deal with a ghost on COVID, on the COVID uh, protocol list too for a while. So. Um, Chuck Fletcher also says he had his own bout of COVID-19 in January. I'm just going to run through all the COVID situations across the league right now and uh, some changes the league plans on uh, addressing to try and help this kind of control the spread. Uh, 90 players have appeared on COVID protocol this year. Uh, Currently, as of Friday, there were 40 on it. Four teams, the Devils, uh, Golden Knights, Sabres, and Wild are currently paused. Uh, The Devils had Postponed games through this weekend. Earlier this week, they had 14 players on COVID protocol. Uh, Vegas had to reschedule a bunch of games because their coaching staff as well as Alex Petrangelo were in COVID protocol. Um, Buffalo canceled games through Monday. Taylor Hall was on COVID protocol. And also Ralph Kruger, who is 61 years old, uh, had COVID. And then Minnesota had to put six players on COVID. Uh, a day after playing the Avalanche, so we haven't seen if there are ramifications from uh, the Avalanche and uh, any players getting COVID. And uh, Minnesota's canceled games through February 9th, and Marco Rossi, uh, the first round pick from this year, is out for the season with complications from COVID. Uh, also on Thursday, Gabriel Landeskog, Nico Sturm of the Wild, and Jake McCabe of the Sabres were added to COVID protocol. Um, via uh, Stephen Wino of the AP. Uh, this was, again, from Thursday. A reported on Thursday. 22 games have been postponed, affecting 16 of the league's 24 U.S.-based teams. Only one of the 40 players currently on the COVID list is from a Canadian team. And that is because Pierre-Luc Dubois is in quarantine after a trade from Columbus to Winnipeg. So, again, could be a national problem because, I mean, we already kind of knew that. But because... Uh, Canada does not seem to be having any players running into issues of uh, needing to be placed on COVID protocol. Mm, uh, and imagine then that. You get into the concerns, you know, just the general concerns of players getting it, but then you also have situations like Kaapo Kako of the Rangers was out of the COVID protocol this week and he is immunocompromised with type 1 diabetes and celiac disease. Ugh, it's terrible. Uh, and then also around the league uh, or around other leagues. um The the NWHL Spended player for the rest of 2021 uh, As former NHL and Boston Pride Coach Paul Mara as well as five Other Pride members tested positive for uh, COVID and then in the QMJHL the Victoriaville Tigers Igor Sarduk's team uh, the Flyers 2019 six round pick uh, Had positive COVID tests this week as well pushing back uh, All their action to at least February 25th Uh, so So, Again I think Overall in general and pretty sure you feel the same way Steve uh this shit was gonna happen anyway even without like without the bubble you're just increasing the odds the league and the NBA honestly got insanely lucky or were extremely cautious or had something right in the regiment last year that helped prevent any positive tests after the original you know initial introduction into the bubble but
0: I think you had a couple factors I think you had the the extra caution Uh, You had the fact that cases were, they were bad, but they aren't as bad as they are today. It is horrific today, just absolutely out of control, horrific. And you also had the fact that they kind of locked those players down, like not kind of, they locked those players down and they weren't allowed to go out and really just have day to day lives. They were just in the complex nobody in nobody out unless they were a hundred percent cleared. It was that extra caution that why, which is why they were both successful in that scenario. And they're on the road. They can't really keep people from going out and living their lives and seeing Mm -hmm. other people and other people coming into contact. I mean, it's, it is the struggle of COVID-19 that is going on throughout the country that the day-to-day struggle, unless you have a specialized environment You're going to get cases, unfortunately. And it also is a reflection of how the U.S. is handling COVID in general as opposed to other countries. I mean, it has been exponentially worse in the United States than it has in most other countries around the world. The U.S. has just done such a piss poor job of handling it. The, The mixed messages, the politicizing of mask wearing, all factors that have gone into the U.S. handling of this and is reflecting how poorly it's going for the U.S. teams
1: yeah no i mean it, it's true and i think also the i think the time of the year is is playing a huge factor this time for sure well. for sure this like is, is it's, usually it's, flu yeah. season for a reason yeah so uh just a lot of, i mean it's like everybody kind of knows there are obvious answers as to why this isn't like working right now but uh the going to pretend like it's uh the obvious answer isn't right there in front of them so they're gonna try and make these minor tweaks and uh We'll see how it all goes. But uh, according to Freeman on Thursday, here are some of the changes the league is uh, announced they're going to try and implement to handle the uh, the spread. Angel refs can still call. They're removing glass from behind the benches, uh, the plexiglass glass from behind the benches. I guess so. You know, it's not one less thing that I guess particles can get called to. I don't fucking know. But uh, apparently, even though they're taking out that uh, stanchion or like the the panes of glass, the refs can still call a puck over the glass call, which I'm going to be honest with you that we're, we're just asking for a really dumb call to come up here. Like there's going to be some borderline delay game call that's going to happen that somebody's going to go back and look at and be like, oh, that would have hit the glass. That wouldn't have been a delay game. And it's going to cost a team all, on the power play in one of these games. So that, like that right there is just uh, a terrible result waiting to happen. And I'm excited that the league doesn't see that like in the, like just doesn't see that about to happen somewhere down the line. But uh league is also, uh they're going to ask teams to deploy portable air cleaners behind benches to help clear clean air and combat airborne viral transmission. Uh, players and coaches can't show up more than one hour and 45 minutes before a game and all meetings will be done virtually. And I've already heard that, or I've already seen that that is getting already kind of like, lessen up a little bit. I think the hour and forty five minutes players are already pushing back on that. And then they said, well, if it, hour and forty five minutes, uh, but more if it's related to game prep. So then, you know, well, why would somebody else be there for more than an hour and forty five minutes if they're not gonna be getting ready for the game? So uh teams being asked to utilize or create additional locker room space to adhere to six feet of social distancing. Um so like these are these are all minor things that in theory should help limit some of it but really honestly aren't going to do a damn thing like honestly I mean like it'll help a little bit but it's not going to be something where we're going to go back to zero positive tests around the league or even a smaller number but 40 at a time or 90 overall so far about a fifth is uh, fifth away into the season is kind of nuts and you've got to change something it's not
0: going well top players are missing games because of it and it's just going to get worse
1: it's going to get worse, and honestly, like, hockey is a sport, too, where it, like it, it, it's just, if it's, just, the spread is only going to, I guess, get worse and worse because of just how close the hockey players always are to each other on the ice, just face off, lining up for face-offs battling for the puck uh, in the crease, sitting on the bench when you're not playing. Like, there are just times... They're not wearing masks when they're on the other. bench
0: either. Like, at least in the NBA, a lot of those guys... Not not everybody, but a lot of those guys are wearing masks when they are off the court, and there are certain areas. Like, I've noticed Joel Embiid for the Sixers have had, so, like, this cool-off area by himself somewhere. Like, I think that's great, but you don't really have that, that in a hockey arena. You only have so many slots where where people can really go and, and NBA also, you have the entire side court where you can spread out chairs and people aren't right on top of each other. Whereas in the NHL, you are piled on that bench. It is ass to ass. You're right next to each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: you know, it's also, it's not helping that you have stuff like why the capitals were fined recently where they were at the hotel room and all just going out and hanging out with each other anyway. And, it's, yeah. you know, potentially exposing themselves like,
1: Yeah, see, like, that's the thing. And, like, that was the thing with the league where that's where I was complimenting them was they came down pretty fucking hard on that fine. And I think giving the suspensions, like, I don't think Aveshkin, Orlov, Sansonov, and Kostentsov now are going to even risk that angle of it. Like, that's what I was. But, yeah, like, you have to. Honestly, the best way to do this, like, the only thing that would effectively kind of stop the spread right now would be to pause the season. But that's not going to happen. Like, none of these sports leagues are going to do that.
0: They're not going to cancel the season. They're not going to pause the season. The NFL season was an atrocity that shouldn't should have been happened. Canceled. There were so like, many sh- COVID happened. sicknesses yeah. throughout the season. And they are going to play the big game tomorrow, the Super Bowl. Because mm-hmm. I'm just going to say Super Bowl because I don't think they're going to find this podcast for saying the actual term of the championship. Uh, well,
1: that makes one of us. So uh, let's have... Uh, Craig, are Goodell, you prepared for just... the big game? Goodell just Steve said that. Uh, so this is a Steve thing, not fly purple. No, oh If you fly purplely, I have no money. I will give you. I I will give you some shirts that I'm not using. That's about it. Hey, Goodell. That's what I've got.
0: Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> there is. There I'm sorry. <laughs> like just all these leagues. Just well, the NFL really I think set the, the precedent for everybody else because they well yeah. MLB too. MLB just plowing through, but the NFL had some bad cases MLB early on, one, yeah. and they just were like. Well, no, we're just gonna make it happen. and they got more callous about it as the season went on because early yeah. on they were like okay we're gonna delay this to another week and then they got to the point where like well you can play tomorrow right yeah getting, just, i was gonna say one day like, delay will be fine saturday. And, yeah they'll yeah. get a positive test saturday and they would be playing like tuesday like it's fine it's it's just covid yes. it's fine it's yeah, just killed so... 400 to five hundred thousand people it's fine
1: it's whatever, dude. Yeah, you're being dramatic, so just calm down. Is what I got to say to that. Uh, at, at the local level, uh, according to uh, Frank Saravalli, Philadelphia has spent, uh, the Flyers have spent $11 million upgrading H, their HVAC system at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, team says it will now completely filter entire arena bowl air uh, every 30 minutes. Great. So, yeah, can, cool. can you guys Again. make a
0: bubble for me to sit in during the game? Because that's <laughs> the only way I'm going. Like... I'm yeah, sorry, like, flyers, but unless you can make a private bubble boy experience for me, I do not plan on going.
1: Yeah. Isn't that also isn't that something they could just like say and nobody actually knows? <laughs> that that <laughs> oh, might feel yeah, yeah. too conspiracy theory. <laughs> right. Like just being like, I don't know, what's a big number people will believe? Eleven million sounds like a lot. It sounds good. like Let's a lot of money. Did yeah. It I mean, There's a lot of money. Also, I don't even know if there was like a video of uh... They they, they don't always get like giddy about like crazy shit they do. It's like, hey, we added three seats to the upper bowl, and they always show like one guy that just does like hates his fucking life putting those seats in. So like, (laughs) sure we've had some like some like Tony from South Philly just being pissed about what his life's become just installing an HVAC system somewhere like on video somewhere.
0: Well, I mean, Tony from South Philly might be pissed off about installing that HVAC system, but. Tony from South Philly, that might be his job soon, because it ain't going to be in no, the I, NHL oh much God. longer.
1: That, I, I for clarification purposes, I did not even try to set up that segue. I was going for a generic Italian name, and I landed on Anthony from South Philly, and now we are... Now anyway, we're talking we're about yeah, let's talk Tony about
0: Anthony Angelo, Anthony D'Angelo <laughs> himself, Tony D'Angelo for your your chump of the week over here. Yeah.
1: What so let's, an let's, let's talk about asshole this,
0: this guy is. What a just gigantic asshole Tony D'Angelo is.
1: I'm gonna try and summarize the whole situation. And again, we're not gonna talk about. We're, we're gonna talk about what Steve and I know about this entire situation. And uh, it stems from. Long story short, Tony D'Angelo got waged last weekend. It came from uh, apparently there was. Uh, All nice communication between D'Angelo and Georgiev, Alexander Georgiev. That resulted in the Rangers losing to the Penguins on Saturday. I went back and I watched the play, and uh, a puck went behind the net. D'Angelo was skating behind the net to pick up the puck, and Georgiev swung in, knocked the puck uh, the other direction behind D'Angelo. The Penguins held onto the puck and then scored like 10 seconds later. Also on the play, it looked like D'Angelo was screening Georgiev from about like 15 feet out, but I digress. Uh, The whole thing was... a. Yeah, all about defense. Uh, apparently, after the game, D'Angelo and Georgiev Georgie got into uh, uh, like a mix-up. There was some kind of like physical altercation outside of the locker room, and then it led to a situation where apparently just the Rangers had had enough of them. He uh, may or may not have, to...
0: have called. Georgia, the commie. Oh
1: yeah, another name. Yeah, that's again. You may have called uh, him a
0: communist of some sort. Uh, who's yeah, to say? I don't
1: know. So did that
0: act? Do we have a? I have,
1: or did, I have no it?
0: idea if there's confirmation on yeah. this. But this is a podcast where we are just talking about information we have heard. This is nothing confirmed. <laughs> this is not news. No. This is a discussion no,
1: the... about stuff we have heard. Well, so I mean, the only thing I'm really going to say about it is, uh I don't look. Everybody deserves a second chance. This isn't a second chance. Uh, this is his
0: 25th any,
1: chance this is his 25th chance and he also hasn't shown any changes Reborn? in personality or yep there you go any any kind of consideration that maybe he is the asshole here or he <laughs> is the problem Am and I I'm the only bad ins- guy? yeah exactly and I'm only insinuating or not insinuating I'm saying he is the bad guy because more likely than not he is the bad guy and let me run, run you through his rap sheet and then also another situation that I've been may have been leading up to this uh so throughout tony d'angelo's career um he was a guy that before he even got drafted by lightning in 2014 he had issues uh he was suspended twice in the ohl for using slurs the league was trying to remove so not you know not just bad words but apparently the league was really focused and honing in on racist homophobic and sexist language which really shows you
0: it's a shitty thing he said we don't yeah, know so exactly the, what he said but it yeah. must have been pretty you shitty. know
1: what players get away with and we've seen other situations where guys like i mean like they almost didn't suspend andrew shaw a couple of years ago for saying a homophobic slur and there is that whole thing with wayne simmons and sean avery years ago where wayne simmons looked like he said a homophobic slur and i don't think anything even came of it so the dohl yeah like if it was this happening years ago you'd Who knows what he said. Uh, But then drafted by Tampa Bay, traded to Arizona, and with Arizona received a three-game suspension for physical abuse of officials. Uh, And then he came to the Rangers, and we've seen... I mean, we've seen his... He's uh, been an uh, asshole. ...actions on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, like, he started the Watch Your Tone podcast, which...
0: uh, That's... What a name. You go look at
1: that. Yeah, you go and sign with that. And then all of his, uh, you know, COVID hoax tweets are tweets that are you can tell he's definitely trying to get a rise out of uh people that don't agree with him politically and again uh you know political stances are fine and everything but he's been a complete fucking asshole about it and apparently has also been bleeding into his interactions with the teammates on his team and uh you know i know a lot of people come out and said that oh well you know he's a love guy in the locker room or whatever recently or like his teammates don't hate him but you know i'm gonna be honest with you a lot of them around 20, drafted by the lightning in 2014 got suspended in junior has been traded three times he's about to be traded no he's about to be traded a third time he's already been traded twice if they're lucky going to be with his f- fourth different team damn trade yeah which if so, i'm like, an nhl
0: team i am not touching this guy remotely like i, I was gonna say a 10-foot pole but you don't want to be 10 feet from him at all like you don't want to touch this guy from orbit with a satellite like in any potential way you do not want to be associated with this and i know some asshole nhl team that i am just praying is not the nhl hockey flyers i I, some asshole team is going to say you know what we can turn him around we can change him because this guy has offensive talent he sure as shit does not have defensive talent but he does have some offensive talent great for him bravo Some team is going to be stupid enough to say, let's take a chance on Tony D'Angelo.
1: Some team is. Yeah, I, I do think they are. I think some team and either, he may not get an NHL deal, but I think next year he's going to get some kind of low risk high reward kind of deal where like you might sign an, uh, a two-way deal with some team and start out in the AHL. And then if he spends like two weeks not punching teammates or yelling at him or something, then they're going to be like, Oh, he's been good. And then they'll call him up and he'll be like a third pair offensive guy for some random team out there. But honestly, his skill set if you were to remove his entire personality and we're talking about what you would just get on the ice from him and what he could bring to the team, he, the Flyers don't need him right now either. Like, if you were just looking for defensemen to add and you even wanted to add him, it wouldn't make sense to add him. I've been to- We've been talking about how they need a right-handed guy, which he is, uh, but he he is the exact opposite of what they truly need. They have guys on the blue line that are... play two-way games, but they lean more towards looking to generate offense than necessarily falling back and shutting things down defensively. And he is a guy that is all go- all production... And nothing defensively. He gets fucking worked over in the defensive zone nonstop. He's already been walked two or three times this year. And everybody saw the Ajo goal last year. He got walked in the playoffs. Like, the guy routinely just gets worked in one-on-one situations in the defensive zone. So, skill-wise, no. But there's enough offensive upside there. He can go on to be a reliable third-pair guy. Not reliable, but a third-pair guy somewhere. And some team is going to need that. Uh, And, honestly, the league is full assholes. I mean, like we've seen, sure. like, but like he, keep it, he initiated like, this and keep it, it to wasn't yourself, any...
0: right? Like, no, 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 no I, I think I there is an, no, I, I know you agree with me, but I'm just yeah, saying like yeah, there, yeah. there is an acceptable level of asshole. I think that you can be, that you can present to the public and that's fine. People will just ignore it or go on with their day. And he went way above and beyond that socially acceptable level of asshole To something unfathomable that would get him waved and suspended. Like, and again, it it did come down to a locker room thing because he was an asshole in public for quite a bit before that. And he wasn't popular, but he also was, like, it it sucks the world we live in where basically, like, you can be an asshole like him and do the stuff he did, but... If you're good at hockey, they will still find a way to get away with it. But he not only was not that good defensively at hockey, uh, again, good offensively, I'll give him that, but not good defensively. And on top of that, just did shitty things and kept being a shitty person, which is just a recipe for disaster. Like, he could have, I, I, I tweeted this out, like, you can, all you have to do to be a successful millionaire athlete here is just not be an asshole. And he couldn't even do that.
1: Yeah. Uh honestly I I think the big thing is like him him doing this shit with Georgiev uh if it wasn't the fact of like apparently it's rumored you know he was it, it was because of the miscommunication that he called him you know whatever uh I think if it was just him being shit to a teammate and it didn't have anything to do with a guy being from Russia or some of the other I mean, the other thing that's been thrown out there, and to be honest with you, I'm only going to believe it because there's a lot of there's a lot of oddities with the situation. Apparently, Tony D'Angelo took Keandre Miller's the puck he got from scoring his first goal in the league, and then didn't give it back to him. like right away, or was trying to take it, or that's where the a lot of confusion is because. Uh, There's video of Keontra Miller scores the defenseman for uh, the rookie defenseman for the Rangers scored a goal his first goal in the league and there's video of DeAndre also on the ice and you can see him go into the net and get the puck and like that's not enough to say you know obviously DeAndre stole the puck and he's the one that kept it from Miller and obviously it wasn't. Let me make this very clear.
0: Let me make this very clear. This is not an accusation. Uh, this is all speculation based on uh, facts that have been pieced together elsewhere. Just like this is pure speculation. This is in no way. Yeah, this us... is mine. Yeah. This is How all. Make this, this is clear? Forest life. Forsyth. Well, yeah. it's not about it being you. This is just a this is just us having a discussion, uh, a, a speculation discussion based on stuff that has been put out there. OK, that is all this is. This oh, is okay. not an accusation yeah. of him doing anything. But, you know, there are some weird things that happened here.
1: So, again, so him taking the puck out of the net. And, again, that alone is not that big of a deal because every single time a player scores their first goal in the NHL, you see players just skating towards the net to get the puck.
0: Right, because a good teammate goes and gets the puck and says, here you go, buddy, it's your first goal, puck, and you can go keep this at home and put it in a case somewhere, and it's going to look awesome. And you can take a picture with it after the game, smiling.
1: Now, I think the thing is, is there was no... From there, it gets a little hairy because... That
0: picture does not exist. Right. Or at least it was never posted anywhere if it does. Like, the the New York Rangers, who always... Every team, when their guy scores and their rookie scores their first goal, they will post a picture of that saying, congrats to this player for scoring his first NHL goal. woohoo!"
1: So after he picked the puck, too, there was nothing that kind of proved that he gave it to the athletic trainer, which is, like, that always happens, too. They always... Wrap the tape around it, write on it, and then, you're right, they had the post-game first goal pick, and they post on Twitter, and everybody does it, everybody. But coincidentally, they don't have one for Keandre Miller the night of, you know, D'Angelo may have possibly taken this puck. So that is weird. That is weird that just coincidentally across the entire league, just one of the few times that a team does not post the first career goal of a player is also the time that, you know, it's in question that a player may have taken the puck. And then the only other thing that makes it worse from that point for me is I think the Rangers PR came out and said something like, oh, well, we don't take pictures of first goals, first NHL goals for players in a loss. And then even this year, there are examples of uh, one or two other players that scored goals and losses. And then they took the first goal pick with them and put it on Twitter. So the fact that the, the NH- like the Rangers PR or their Twitter or whatever, lied and then immediately that lie got called out within minutes that that means you didn't like you just that was just a blatant lie like that was a we got to think of something to shut these people up and you didn't even go and look for yourself because it got disproved in a matter of seconds so i think i think there was something there i don't know i think keandre miller ultimately got the puck but like just it was kind of fishy everything that went around all like went on around that whole incident. But you do shit like that, you're going to piss off your teammates. Like there's no fucking reason for him to theoretically go and possibly keep that puck and never give it to his teammate. Like what's the reason of fucking doing that? Right. I'm not going to get into I'm not going to get into anything else, but uh there's something about keandre miller's appearance that makes him a unique nhl player and uh and keandre miller
0: is a guy who has not had an easy time in his very very brief time associated with the new york rangers with an nhl team because when he came in he had that infamous introductory zoom call with the fan base where somebody went in and they put racial slurs all over that call and you know which one i'm talking about i'm not going to even allude to it but They put it all over the chat on that and it was just disgusting. And it's one of those things that as hockey fans, we often like to say that is not who we are. That is not what we're about. But there is unfortunately uh, still an undercurrent of racism with hockey fans that is just atrocious and disgusting. And I don't want to be associated with that. And I know you don't. And most of the Everybody nah. we know there's not, but there is definitely a, a subsection that is just disgusting and wants to, you know, keep this as a, uh, a nice white sport, which those people are just pieces of human garbage and should just go into a dark hole and never come out. But it's, I, yeah. I it just, the way this kid has been, has been treated in his short time in the NHL has been just, just horrific. And, the fact that he wouldn't get his first puck or at least not get to take that picture is very shitty to me because I, I think that we number one, we said many times on this podcast, we need to celebrate diversity in this game. We need to encourage diversity in this game. This needs to be a, this game needs to move into the 21st century, right? Like it needs to evolve and grow. And we need people like Keandre Miller to, to keep that growth going. And I, I just don't want to see any things like that. And we should be celebrating when he scores his goals. And his first goal is something special and it is black history month right now. And we should be celebrating Keandre Miller. We should be celebrating Wayne Simmons. So many great black hockey players, not nearly enough. We did a, a fly Purple under quarantine where we talked about our favorite black flyers. And oh yeah. It was a pretty damn short list and an embarrassing short
1: list. Yeah, like 10 or 11. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that's, I don't know if that's, it's not really a reflection of the Flyers, but more a reflection of the There's NHL the and league. the lack of diversity yeah. throughout the league and its history. There just hasn't been much. And the diversity we have now is great. That is, this is great. It needs to continue like that, but we need to stop this kind of shit. We need to not let, you know, let this kind of shit happen in the game anymore. It just
1: is insane.
0: Yeah. now. We don't know he... if that's why Keandre Miller doesn't have his first puck picture.
1: Yeah, again. Like, and the first puck picture, I guess I'm like, it, it's really the, like, I don't know. I, I think I'm reading too much into, like, like, I mean, we know the kind of person it seems like Tony D'Angelo is. Uh, so, uh, I, I don't, I didn't see any joking around or him trying to get the uh, Alexis Lafreniere puck uh, that happened in overtime, and that was a Overtime goal, so he may not be in the ice for it. But if he wanted to go and take another teammate's puck as a joke, he could have just gone and gotten that puck in the net afterwards and fucked with Lafreniere like that. But we didn't hear anything about that. And uh, we got a guy who... You know, again, another pretty big coincidence that... You know, his uh, black defensive man teammate is a guy who he's trying to keep the puck from. I don't know. Like, that seems a little fishy to me. But again, that's a whole... That's a whole fucking thing we're not even going to touch right now. But I I have a bad feeling somebody else is going to give him another chance in this league. If not, it's probably the KHL. <laughs> I mean, that's usually where they end up going.
0: Yeah. Now, D'Angelo is, again, he is a young guy, and he's been given so many chances. I don't know if you've seen the – was it a, a Comcast Sportsnet video? Uh, on oh D'Angelo from his dad or whatever. yeah yeah from when he was suspended in the first place where his dad comes yeah. out and his dad is a South Philly guy which is why this was on a local presentation I think yeah. our, our boy John Boric did that one nice. everybody's yeah, favorite deep, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ I love
1: to hear his opinion on Tony yeah. I'm
0: sure it's a great <laughs> opinion. I'm sure he's outraged you know we can talk about that on what's his what's his yeah. site
1: Jocksmack I don't oh my God Jocksmack jock shock or jock no i think it's jock smack yeah
0: and oh oh my god but like his dad's like oh you know i would have used that word in like a a brawl it's just how i was raised and i don't I, i i feel like you can make some excuses for a guy who was raised in like 70s south philly for having a racist or homophobic thing or something but there is no excuse for uh, and it's, uh, by the way, it's a flimsy excuse. Nobody should be using that kind of language. Nobody should be talking to other human beings like that. Yeah. But at least there's a, a structure of an excuse, a skeleton to that excuse. There yeah, is I know absolutely no reason for a young guy like D'Angelo to be using that. And I mean, you, I can obviously look at his role model for why I mean, he yeah. said what he said that got him suspended. But that kind of stuff, like, you should know better. I'm sorry, you should be a grown-ass like, man, yeah. and the environment you've grown up in, which I, I think given his political views, he clearly does not agree with Uh, not saying certain things that you're not supposed to say. Uh, it, It's you should know better. You shouldn't say that kind of stuff like that, and I, I, this guy has been given every opportunity. I'm so embarrassed that, so D'Angelo was raised in South Jersey, but his dad is from South Philly, and I'm embarrassed, but also not completely surprised that he'd be talking about that yeah. kind of language being used in South Philly, because unfortunately, certain parts of South Philly have not uh, matured with the times to to not really use that kind of talk anymore. And it's it's often horrifying to me as somebody who lives in South Philly. It It's just it, I've seen yeah. too much. I've heard entirely too much. And it's just it's always appalling. And yeah, I, I just. D'Angelo, there's no excuse. There's no excuse for his behavior. And I would, I would think somebody would value an NHL career more than feeling the need to be a just garbage person. And he is not one of those guys. So whatever happened in that locker room, whatever the altercation was that got him into his current predicament, it sounds like he really had it coming to him. Uh, and it sounds like it's not surprising to a number of people. And this is a guy who was so desperate to get back on Twitter to share his. his this is, again, an alleged thing. This is not a confirmed thing by any means. But this is a guy who's so desperate to get back into the Twitter conversation to uh, share his, his terrible opinions that he oh, this is again. A spe- no. everybody speculates that he has a burner account. NYR I mean, fan nine, two, eight, three, seven, three, which is hilarious in and of itself. There is a lot of speculation that that is his burner Twitter account, and that is sad and very, very funny, especially that yeah. reaction, that account's reaction to the news that he got waived was like, what?
1: <laughs> I think, I think that's, I think that's, uh, I don't think that's a real account. It, it's going to be, it will be fucking hilarious if it is though, but I think that's just somebody that's, uh, that's just nailing the, the uh, Somebody that really loves acting.
0: Anthony the Angelo. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess to an extent I like, do we get the, like, if you grew up in South Philly, it's not the best situation to grow up in or whatever. But I think, like, it, he can't use that as an excuse.
0: But he, he didn't even grow he up in it. Suspended. His dad grew up in it.
1: Right. So, like, I think even for him, like, if it would have been a thing where if he had gotten, we'll even say for a Sega argument, if he had had those two suspensions in the OHL. And then, like, since then, had changed the, like, had not had any other instances of anything and actually show that he actually changed his mentalities towards stuff. Okay, that's somebody that wants to change and deserves another chance. This dude's been fucking doing the same old shit everywhere he's gone. And it's been a piece of shit to everybody, it sounds like. And instead of just being like, you know what, I need to change... Everybody's like, well, you know, maybe it wasn't all on him. No, it's all on him. I mean, he keeps going every new situation. He's doubled down every chance he's He's gotten. He's not holding himself accountable. Yeah, like, if he stopped being a fucking asshole and shuts his mouth up over some other stuff, like, there's plenty of stuff people aren't telling him in the locker room. Obviously, nobody liked him in that locker room because it wasn't even Georgiev apparently that punched him. Apparently, the story goes, it's, it's Chris Kreider. Somebody else stepped in and punched him. So, like, that's not a discussion that, like, I don't know. I don't I. I don't think there's anybody on the flyers where if somebody else was getting it. Like, if two players are mixing it up and somebody on the flyers got punched in the face, where everybody would be like, you know what? Yeah, it's not that bad. Like, maybe as a joke because of how bad they are on the ice, but not because we actually hate them as a person. Like, and I think that's the point it got with the Rangers where it was like, some people were starting to like Ryder because apparently he punched angel in the face, which I don't know. Like, it, it just seems like he's not a guy that's good for the locker room.
0: No, not necessarily a good team guy. No, certainly not like the team on The Bachelor is.
1: There we go. There it is. And uh, just an FYI, folks, no no around the league this week. Uh, this is the, the final segment here, so enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, let's get into it. I mean, uh, we'll get right into it. I think we've uh, gone around the league plenty already. Yeah, we have. uh, We open up with a cocktail party where Matt Clippy Jones addresses all the bullying going on in the house. I see you're you're making a reality show. Would you like some assistance? (laughs) Uh, he talks to Anna about the escort rumor uh, she started and she decides to send her home. Uh, Ryan tells Matt that drunk queen Vicky called her a hoe. Ooh. Ooh. Uh when Matt asked Vicky about it, she insists that it was okay given the context. I highly doubt that. She uh, was in a different it, area. Cook, cook, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's just a ludicrous reference. Uh Matt asks what context is it okay to call someone a hoe? And she looks confused. So immediately already giving up on her excuse. <laughs> that's uh farming. That's pretty impressive. Get called out right away. Uh at the rose ceremony, uh, DQ Vicky is crying a lot. That sounds about right for a drunk, drunk queen. I mean, uh, she does she's not... away from
0: her Dairy Queen, so that's what's going to
1: happen. Yeah. <laughs> so she uh, she A de- oh, Blizzard of Tears. Uh, she does not receive a rose, and on her way out... She Blizzard of Tears is my favorite Ozzy album. ...that she feels sorry for him. Uh, the contestants that received roses write off a series of toasts celebrating Vicky's departure. Vicky sounds like the Tony D'Angelo of the Bachelorette uh, house right now, apparently. <laughs> Uh, for the first one-on-one date, Rachel and Matt go to the hotel gift shop and meet a celebrity stylist. Rachel tries on a bunch of clothes, ABC buys all of them for her, and she goes back to the mansion sporting a dozen bags of clothes. At dinner, Matt and Rachel both confess that they've never been in love, and minutes later say they're falling in love. Oh, wow. (laughs) I see you're falling in love. Would you like some assistance? (laughs) Look, I've never been in love before, but I think this is it. I I've i never had these feelings, but maybe? Who knows? Baby, know. I've never been to Flavor
0: Town. Uh, you want to go with me? <laughs> uh,
1: on the group date, the contestants are asked to do a bunch of farm tours for some farmer located in one of the many soggy valleys that surrounds the city of coleslaw sandwiches and too many bridges. That's a, well, of course they're they soggy valleys because yeah. they're covered in coleslaw. <laughs> yeah, That's the why the fries are the always mustard. so soggy on the shitty sandwiches. <laughs> Matt keeps, Matt keeps claiming to be a country boy from Raleigh, which he apparently doesn't realize makes no sense. Uh, the contestants are tasked with picking up wheelbarrows, wheelbarrows of manure and moving them, and Matt sneaks off to a barn with Piper to make out. Well, that's, that's, good, that's good work if he can get it. So uh, <laughs> Next is a one-on-one date. <laughs> uh, with the, I think Raleigh's the South. I would consider that a kid from the South. I don't, I don't know. It's not. But is it the country? It's not because the, there's yeah, the a difference country, between really? a southern boy and a country happened, boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I would say I'm southern, and not country. I think that would be that is a uh, one way to put you're it. You're definitely t- not technically country speaking Craig. I am definitely not country. Thank God you're not speaking, a country boy. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, who knows? Uh, next, well, yeah, okay. Next is a one-on-one date where Matt and Kip make dinner in some undisclosed location and Kit dives deep into the troubles of growing up with a rich and successful mother. We're live (laughs) from the Batch Bunker where Matt and Kit are making dinner. I don't know. She was never around. She just made seven figures and bought me everything I wanted, so I don't know. I just I never really got love from her. She
0: was very cold, but I owned a car at
1: age 12. (laughs) It was very cold, but the you know the heating in the mansion was very nice and i stayed warm this long night she went out and bought me all these nice things uh she mentions that there were many uh golden bentleys and red carpets yeah that's got to be real drag i'm so sorry i had to live through that uh mj and jessania jessania <laughs> jessania jessania <laughs> Jes- uh, yeah Jessenia are asked to visit matt ahead just call her jess 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 yeah I'm,
0: jazzy
1: yeah, jess uh, uh mj and jazzy jess uh, are asked to visit matt ahead of the road ceremony so the two are having some sort of spat and matt wants to get to the bottom of it abc leaves us with a to be continued oh dun, shit dun, what, are these, what are these kids gonna what are m and mj gonna get into well,
0: that could uh, possibly uh, happen with mj and jess one note jess. from me in
1: here to uh, a bit of a side note but during the episode there was a new casting call ad asking for seniors to sign up to be on the bachelor Guess we'll be seeing some dates involving reruns of Blue Bloods, Whitefish Sandwiches, and early Bird specials very soon. <laughs> my Amigos. If My Amigos is offensive, that's my brother. I did not say it. So there you go. That is the batch update. Shouldn't the Bachelor
0: retiree com- retired community take place on like CBS or something?
1: <laughs> See, the show should be played CBS 430 on Monday. 430pm on Mondays. There you go. Boom. The Bachelor the, uh, from
0: the Blue Lagoon Retirement Home.
1: <laughs> TV Land, I think, is the oldest TV channel, right? Or are they or that they, they kind of pivot from that. I would oh, say well, it's like, always
0: been C- CBS is the home of old people.
1: More than TV Land? I thought for a while TV Land was like, you know what, whatever show was all in the sixties, we're just throwing that off. Well, old, and then like wait, recently they've been like Craig, King of Queens. Do you expect seniors?
0: Local. Do you expect senior citizens to find TV Land on the T V listings as opposed yes. to CBS, which is one of the main three channels from when they were two years old?
1: I don't expect old people to know how their TVs work, but I expect old people to have somebody in their life that knows them enough to come over and uh, point out the tv land channel pal. to them.
0: No, CBS is for seniors. Come on.
1: <laughs> That's their new slogan, by the way. CBS. Buddy, come on. CBS, CBS is for seniors. CBS <laughs> is for seniors for a long time. Hey, is... buddy, CBS is for seniors. That's their slogan.
0: <laughs> CBS, old's welcome. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, that's it though. That's uh, that's it. That's no, okay. we're not going around the league because the, the league is
0: filled with COVID nineteen. So let... a lot of COVID
1: and also the outline of it was just a complete mess this week. And uh,
0: let let us make well. a hasty exit. And we do apologize for this being late, yes. but we're actually sorry, not sorry, because we were too busy. Look, we had
1: we had some real shit going on. <laughs> we did have some the, real the, shit. God, God did not want this podcast he recorded him, to record. That's true. I had God... massive internet issues, and you had some bullshit going on. With yeah. yeah so.
0: God came down and said. No fly pervy this week, boys. And we said, hey, you guys do this? Every yes, week? fly uh, Not this week. <laughs> on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon after Steve has walked a couple miles in the city to get tacos.
1: Yeah, I gotta, I gotta take a look at this. I've been holding on this thing for like half an hour now. So let's wrap this up. I'm gonna be writing, uh, I got the, I'm doing a <laughs> recap tomorrow. <laughs> I got you the cross-sector sports.
0: That was it. All right, fine.
1: Yeah, you got that going on. Okay. I got. I got the uh, I got the press for a Monday. I'm doing the recap on Sunday. We'll have the fly We'll have the next flight out on time next week. And I was going to do some kind of film tape on uh, the defense, which we'll, I'll I'll figure that over the next week. So,
0: all right, you can follow Craig yeah. at tw- at Sports Are Bad on Twitter. You can follow me at Fly Purply or at SD Bomb for your <laughs> hockey needs. Make it Fly Purpley. Wicked piss. Oh my god. Follow BSA. My body Radio. Is just, Yeah. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. Check out the Flyers forecast early in the week, where we will run down the Flyers week ahead. And that is all we got, and it was plenty, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Well, your damn mask. Well. Fly ugly, fly, fly
1: ugly. Fly fly, fly, fly Hello, everybody. This is Fly Herbaly. It is a podcast about hockey. Mostly the Flyers, but also other, other hockey things. things. Like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell. And Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't. All those hockey guys, these are the guys who watch the hockey sport, yeah!